Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. We want to thank you so much for being with us here for episode number 109 here on December 10th, 2018. I, of course, am Joe Morata, and that is Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy diddy. We are here, Quinn, for episode number 109. 109! Thank yeah, you very you, much. You got it, folks. That's right. And we are here, of course, to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. Some great topics in store for you. We're reviewing something. We've got Royal Rankings Week number 9. But before we get to any of that, I would like to remind you that if you haven't followed us on Twitter yet, and you have a Twitter, go to at OVP Podcast. You can follow us there. You can also reach us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, if you're into the social media. Yeah, social. The interactive discussions. Interactive. You can go to a group that we have. We are the curators of a very fun Facebook group, Quinn. We, we set it up ourselves. We did, actually. So I, what's... I, I went on Facebook <laughs> and set it up. So if people want to join, what could they do? Well, if they really like us and they want to talk to us or our fans or anybody, yeah. really, it's like a big answering machine, basically. <laughs> OVP Facebook, it's a big answering machine. <laughs> you go to facebook.com.answeringmachine, and over there, you type in the search bar, our vantage point, Def, Retro Wrestling Podcast. Right. Click join on the group, not the PR page. There is no join button on that. So no, that's you, just there's no, there's real no confusion. It's like the there. phone book page. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's basically like the white pages yes. or whatever. Right. Anyway, you hit join. The operator standing by as always. No it's, CODs. It's me or Quinn. We're one of the operators. Maybe CODs are accepted. You just got to say that. It's like the law, basically. Yeah, it's it like is. It's like the mattress tags. Don't rip it off. Yeah, you can't rip it off. There, and, you have to say if there's no CODs or not. And you won't be ripped off if you join the group, Quinn, because there's a lot of hijinks over there. Oh, eh? so many hijinks. Uh, people posting pictures of uh, boxes of tapes. Yeah, people things. wearing hats. People wearing hats. Cats, hats, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Uh, we got it all. Yeah. One of the great things that I, I've tried to you know position this group as with Quinn is that we are the middle school lunch table, according to our friend Jake George. And, you know, we welcome all types of discussion about the retro wrestling, whether you're a fan from 40 years ago only, or maybe you've been watching for 40 years. Maybe you're just getting into older wrestling and you're a younger fan. Whoever you are, whatever you are, join the group. Have a fun time with us. It really is different. It really is unique. You've got questions, we got answers. <laughs> that should be the motto. <laughs> so go over to our group on Facebook, and I promise it'll be a really fun time. And later on in the show, we will have some uh, information about our Patreon. We do have one. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Slash foot. Slash foot. And we'll yeah. talk about... We'll also talk about some friends of the show, but Quinn, all season long, and here, this is this is it before we combine forces next week and talk about what's on both of our minds, uh, but all season long, we've been alternating back and forth, volleying about something that's on our minds as it pertains to retro wrestling, and recently, we've developed a nice groove. Yeah, of a take, groove. A groove of taking something from the present product and kind of relating it to the past. I feel like that's what this segment has become now. And I'm fine with that, and hopefully you fans are as well. So this is called What's On Your Mind, and Quinn, what's on my mind? 
And this comes just simply from watching, you know, parts of the current product and watching, of course, a lot of retro wrestling and then thinking, you know, I do some thinking sometimes. A little pondering. A little pondering, yeah, a, little a little pontification. Is that the short of B for that pond? Yeah, you, pond. You ponded? I was ponding. What are you saying? Not saying anything. And here's what I've been ponding, Quinn. Yeah? The production aesthetic. You know, uh-huh. the production techniques, the graphics. production style, the graphics, the, the lighting, light. yeah. camera work, direction. You know, we talked about the evolution of a promo a couple weeks back. Right. The evolution of the way TV has been presented, I don't know that it's necessarily a good thing anymore. I think it's well, become it, very distracting. I think it is and it isn't. I mean, there are definitely some improvements. Like, first of all, I find everything now, like, way clearer or something. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Is that HD? They clearly are, like, filmed at a better frame rate or something. Have you actually seen any of this new stuff? There's some presentation of wrestling now where you can see the wrestling in a higher frame rate. Ooh. So it actually makes it seem like it's faster really? or clearer or I something. Because I've seen some people posting clips of it on Squared Circle. Interesting. And I'm hoping that that becomes a thing in the U.S. or something. That's just like an idea, right? It's yeah. just like a production style sure. change. <laughs> you know, just talking about frame rate in general. I remember the uh, the old WWF from England. And remember yeah, where... the PAL conversion or whatever it was. <laughs> oh, that look, was funny. <laughs> those look really weird. They were like silky smooth, right. but like this weird, like it was slightly slower. Should Europe switch over to uh, NTSC? I don't know! You know, let's take you back to the 80s, for example, okay? And let's just use WrestleMania because it's a pretty notable example of wrestling being presented on television. Yeah. The first WrestleMania was shot the same way any other house shows were, which is basically five cameras, (laughs) maybe four. I can't, I don't really know. The arena was not significantly lit, especially when the matches were on, maybe for the intermission or the introduction. Yeah. And the focus was all on the ring, and you'd have a few handhelds and a hard camera, and that was it, right? No bugs, no on-screen graphic. Sure. And and that was basically the way it was produced throughout the years, right? And then in the early 90s, that little WWF bug. Now, when did this start? Because I've had questions about this, because... I've noticed some things on the WWE Network recently Yeah, where not only will the bug be on things that I swear it wasn't on, right? but it will also be like specifically that 1994 bug. Yeah. And sometimes I've seen they've extended it to when they switched to the weird like sideways. The tilted one, the yeah. The tilted bug. The tilted bug. I want to say the bug started in 1993 or four, but it could have been earlier than that. Right, because I swear... I saw it on, like, some old Saturday Night's Main event that it shouldn't have been on. I don't remember there being a bug on Saturday Night's Main event. I think think it's interesting that they're doing Mm. that, and I don't know. They're futzing with the footage. Would you say it's bugging you? It's bugging me, Ah. yeah. So that's just one example. But not only that, let's talk about how the direction changed. Now, this has been more notable the last maybe five years or so. Right. With the shaky cam. Let's talk about the shaky cam for a second. Okay, yeah. The constant cuts. This is actually the first thing I wanted to really talk about, but I got stuck with frame rate in my head <laughs> but because that was just another thing. Yeah. So one of these things that they do now that I really don't understand why, right, is the one that really sticks out to me is like they seem to associate weird cam things with moves. Yes. So there was the one where Seamus used to like wail on a guy like yes. in the corner and they would zoom in every time he would do it. And I was like, so what the fuck weird. is this? Like what, the, the college intern film this? Or I heard that that was like one of Dunn's things. Like it, It's all done, man. I, well, it's, it's either Kerwin or Dunn. Like, it wouldn't be Kerwin. That's got to be Dunn. But Kerwin's the director, so I... I know, but Dunn's his boss, technically. Right, but I'm just saying, I've heard, because I heard an interview with Kerwin once, 
And I was interested. Like it was actually interesting to hear that some ideas come from Kerwin and some sure. ideas come from Dunn. Like sure. as far as that stuff, like sometimes Kerwin's just like, "Hey, we, it would be cool if we did it this way," and Dunn's like, "Yeah, that's that's good." Right, like, right. It, it's kind of like a collaboration. It's just Dunn's technically in control. But as a viewer, what do you think of like all these shaky cams and zoomy cams and all these like custom camera angles for moves and stuff? <laughs> yeah, is it too much or are we um, old? I remember when you used to be able to get a Hershey for a nickel. It depends on the situation. Like I like certain things with guys having custom things like i think when finn balor does his doo-doo-doo, you know when he like moves his arms up like you know with the music <laughs> yes i don't know how to explain i'd rather watch called, you do that but like <laughs> <doo-doo-doo>. <laughs> like it's like like that this is doubtfire like in the in the lights or whatever but like there's some kind of zooming that goes on with yeah, that. there's things there's like and I, th- I think in that case it works i think it's better for entrances i think in the middle of the match okay it doesn't work okay that's fair enough the shaky cam no go right oh shaky cam like what on what the impact you- of a move or something like that the camera will rumble why are we doing this i don't really notice that as much as serious? the zoom in the zoom the is, zoom is the, bad. that's what bothers me now i'm not if you're newer to the show folks maybe this is your first episode quinn and i are not these old curmudgeons that always says oh it always used to be better obviously right. things do get better and things do evolve but what i wanted to focus on is the aesthetic now crowd shots is another part of that yeah we are getting so many more crowd reaction shots than ever than than the last you know this oh, you is think? more recent hell yeah i think i mean we got some crowd shots like the nation one where it's you and the in the crowd or whatever stop it i think the shut up with that by the way um, <laughs> you, you don't like that do you no that, i don't that it's people, not me that people say it's, it's fucking you. crockett's fault no but the uh <laughs> the crowd reaction thing i really think first came up at wrestlemania 30 when that guy with the bug eye face. Yeah, bug eye man. I think that's where they realize, oh, we can turn this into a thing if we focus more on the crowd. Because I swear <laughs> now, anytime someone kicks out of a finisher, you see like some stupid white guy from Brooklyn with a dumb look on his or face. If anything, He's like, ah. Or if anything violent happens, you go to a woman with her hand over yeah. her mouth or something. Or someone unexpectedly loses some dork with his hands on his head. Yeah. Like, where do they find these people, first of all? And now, why do I want to say up? Now, actually, can I'm you not- imagine if when Hogan body slammed Andre, they cut to like some slack jawed yokel <laughs> with a mustache? You, being say, like, you say that, but sometimes when they cut to a person, it's classic, like Lady in the Blue Dress and Lady with the Vein but, on her head, like, <laughs> but, you, and, you, the, and their shoes are too tight, or Roddy Hogan or something. <laughs> like, like, well, he's never intentionally close up. You just happen to see him. Yeah, but you're talking about this like it's too, like it's horrible or something. I don't think it's that These bad. These days it is because it, it happens too much. There is such a thing as doing too much, doing too much, doing too much. And I think that's one of my main gripes. It's not that they do these things at all. It's that all the shaky cams and the constant, constant cuts after every move. You know, every camera angle lasts like six seconds, I feel (laughs) like now. Seriously. To me, it's not that horrible. And that's fine. I Honestly, the only, like, I keep going back to it, but really the only thing that, like, stands out to me is the The zoom shots. Like, that. Other things I think have been like gradual, slow improvements. I don't. Some things. Maybe the crowd shots, maybe they've actually gradually done that without us knowing well, to the point yeah, where probably. it like crossed some threshold in your brain. But to me, I kind of just didn't notice it as much. Very possible, Quinn. Like, 
Let me ask you another question, though. Yeah. I'm not advocating for a return to, you know, 1985 production techniques. No, I'm I, definitely I, not. I, I don't think that's a good idea. However, mm-hmm. and you folks at home pond over this as well, okay? Yeah, pond. Do you think that maybe just turning down the brightly lit aspect of it a little bit easing up a bit on the quick cuts easing up on the zooms and focusing more on the action than the it's because now it's become a production in itself so we had it kevin kevin so just freeze it at the top for randy when he's on that top rope i actually have an opinion on this personally go for um, it it's your vantage point i'm actually point. a big fan of the idea of the brightness being turned up 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 and up. i'll tell you why holy shit because i like the idea of the arena seeming like electric with the action do you really yes like That's a, I, the rare viewpoint yeah i like i've gone back and forth on it in my brain like over time there's been times where i preferred it and times when i didn't yeah but overall i've kind of settled on like when in the history of wrestling did the the product seem at its most like exciting would you say the attitude era right and in the in my ad- fandom anyway. Right, yeah. I would say throughout all the wrestling I've ever watched. 97 right? to 01 about, yeah. In the Attitude Era, there was a very specific look. that You could see the one million signs and the people flipping out at everything. Sure. And the more they stay at, at that light brightness, even if it's now and maybe it's not as exciting, it seems more exciting if the crowd has that slight light if on If they're them. lit more. Right. Than, let's say, in 1990. It gives you also, like, the more realistic in your brain of how it would look if you were in the arena. Because even if it was lit poorly for the camera, yeah. in, when you're in the arena, you can see everyone around True, you. Of it course. gives you more of a, like, visual, like, oh, this feels like I'm there. Okay, that's like, fair. Th- then that weird, like, they darken things. Yeah, no, I, I get it, Quinn. Like, that's personally my opinion on like what looks good and even like when i get into like tv settings like when i'm like making brightness and color and on your new 65 inch tv for example yeah but i'm just saying like i futz with the tv settings all the time it's just something i like to do yes it is it's a hobby of yours usually one in my brain how i like things to look is i like a like a warm colors bright everything pops things like that and you like that uh, in, i on like wrestling. that in wrestling okay, that's too fair. and i also think when you do that kind of lighting it overall makes the wrestlers stand out too okay that's that's just my personal certainly opinion. A, a well thought out yeah. cogent opinion yeah honestly that is a lucid intelligent well thought out objection thank you your honor overruled but i guess the one final thing i wanted to say is the loss of show unique identity what i mean by that is wrestlemania is one through hell probably up to like 2021 20, mm-hmm. you can tell what it is and any pay-per-view for that matter yeah what even it is. like armageddon or something right. stupid or backlash or whatever yeah just by looking at a few seconds of it on tv i mean would you ever get wrestlemania 2 confused with wrestlemania 3 no never and f- forget the silverdome fine would you ever get wrestlemania 7 confused with wrestlemania 2 never right exactly or 11 or anything they yeah. all you could just look at it you see the arena's different and it, everything was different yeah the thing that i think it's more impressive with like SummerSlam, right yeah for example SummerSlam has that same logo for years for years however you could even like sort of tell the difference between SummerSlam 88 and, and SummerSlam m89 absolutely like, and 90 little, yeah like the arenas for whatever reason the way they put them together yeah. and actually i think isn't 88 and 90 in the same in the both in msg 
8891. Right. But they still look different. Slightly, yeah. yeah like there's, there's even like, I don't know. They do, I, I swear they do something with the colors and the mastering every time they go to an arena. They probably, like, well, they color correct, I'm sure, anyway. Yeah. So This is boring. And I guess what I'm trying to, to get at here with that is since 1997, everything's been an evolution of the big screen, which was the Titan Tron, and now it's just a giant LCD monitor or whatever, LED, yeah. right? And the RAM. And that's fine. I don't have a gripe with that. But do you think it's an intentional decision? So now when people turn on WWE, it always pretty much looks the same. And that identifies, well, this is WWE. It can't be anything else. Fuck what show it is, right? This is WWE. Do you well, think that's the reason? Okay. I'm pretty sure I know the reason. And, okay. Um, so they have three sets mainly, other than WrestleMania is the only one that gets a completely unique set, right? Yes. They have generic Raw set. Right. Right. Where, so Raw looks the same every single Raw. And that, no matter where the fuck they are. And that's been for about 20-something years now. They have generic SmackDown set. Because SmackDown yep. is different looking. Yep. No, um, I know it is. It looks similar to Raw, but there is a difference, right? Right. So you have generic SmackDown set, right? Yep. Then you have now something called, that they added, generic pay-per-view set. See, that's just terrible to me. Generic pay-per-view set is every pay-per-view other than WrestleMania. And you know what? How telling is that? Because they treat every pay-per-view the same except for WrestleMania. Well, they still consider the big four the same, but they don't change the, the setup for some reason. Yeah, it's very interesting they, if you they really do think make about a it. way bigger deal about SummerSlam, Survivor Series, they do. And, and Royal Especially Rumble. Especially SummerSlam and yeah. Royal Rumble. Right. Then there's just WrestleMania is completely different. Always, every they year. Have, they also have generic NXT set. Yes. Which is a, is a thing. where yeah. That's actually where they hit the lighting is darker yeah, thing. Yeah, which I like. like. Yeah, That's an example of it still being in use. Okay, and then there's also generic takeover set, which is another completely Good lighting Lord. different setup. And and now there's also generic NXT UK set. But Crikey. my point is with all these like yeah. generic sets, the reason it actually is not at all has anything to do with they're like trying to uniform it. Yeah. It has everything to Money. do with cost cutting. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. That is the actual reason. Sure. Did you know that they cut Pyro recently because it was just too expensive to have it at every show? <laughs> yeah, I actually They did only hear have about it at that. like WrestleMania basically. Well, They're that's... like what? And I don't blame them yeah. because like it was getting like out of hand how like imagine how expensive it was over the years to, to pyro, pyro every everything. single Raw, know, right. SmackDown. And they were doing that since Razor Ramon always had yeah, Pyro and right, Diesel and exactly. all that. Exactly. So it, it added up after a while and they were like, we can't. Well, maybe they could save some money if they cut down on the freaking like LED ring skirts that they use now. You know those? Yeah, but that's a one-time purchase because they just haul that thing around and just... They could sell it. It's got pre-programmable like it. things that they can just click on. Good for them. No, See, but I, you, you actually don't like that. No! I, think, I think that's a little unique. Actually, that's that's it, to me, it's an upgrade. I think it's unnecessary, and it's only on one side. Yeah, I know, I know, no. it's on one a hard camera or no, no, uh, it's on entrance it's, side, it's right? Entrance side. Yeah. Now, it used to be on hard camera when they first got it, then and it they was were like, really distracting. They were just like, no, we're not going to do yeah. that. So overall, I mean, I don't want to come across as saying that everything they've done since 1991 is stupid. It's not. No. They've definitely upgraded certain aspects of their production and yeah. the aesthetics. Before we go, yeah, go what, what would you say is your favorite improvement to modern wrestling production? Honestly, as much as I get tired of it sometimes, yeah. I really do like when, and this happened a long time ago, but it, the Genesis was in 97. I really did like when Raw became the way it did. The big screen. The, the big, big screen yeah. and the ramp. As much as that's been like the way it's looked now for 21 years, mm -hmm. I still think that was the freshest thing they, they had ever done. I think it's the most utilitarian addition because if you're in a live arena, 
you need to see like the whole story that's being told, yeah. right? The backstage segments and all this. Sure. And like even the upgrade from um rear projection to LED. Correct. Yeah. That fixed a lot of shit. Oh yeah, because remember how shitty it used to you look? You couldn't see it you even on TV. You couldn't see it when the lights it. were off. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this that they're looking at? Because it was just rear projection. Good point. Right. Yeah, like we didn't that, even mention that. The LED change is a huge upgrade. That to, was. Like, and the cool thing is they can use it now for like stories and stuff. And yep. it's it's pretty cheap too. It add, it allows them to customize a lot of things. Even though we don't like that they have generic customization, it does add for a little customization. It does. It helps a bit. Yeah. Yeah, overall, I'd say that's my favorite thing. Folks, but let us know what you think of the way wrestling looks on television now, the aesthetic, the presentation, the camera work, if you ever even think about it. And if you haven't thought about it, maybe take a second. Take yeah. a look at, at what you're watching, whatever you have queued up to watch next. Pay attention to the way it's produced. Yeah, it's always good to compare the, if you just watch anything that recently was aired, like the last Raw yeah. or something are on the network, yep. and you compare it to a, I don't know. A, even a, a, another Raw or something from WCW. Or, yeah. Even comparing it, it's it's really fun to compare it to like All Star Wrestling or something. It is, yeah. yeah. So let us know about that. But Quinn, when we come back, there are four people left in the pool for the Royal Rankings. We're pulling two of them out today. Two more are going to enter the mix. We're going to find out who they are, and we'll be doing that right after this. Even more great wrestling action is on Sports Channel. Host Bob Cottle has all the excitement of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Each week, such stars as gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, the tag team of the Midnight Express, and the Russians, Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev, make up an exciting lineup from the NWA. Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, worldwide wrestling, right here on Sports Channel. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. We thank you for being with us here on episode number 109. 109! Thank you, Quinn. Quinn, before we get to the Royal Rankings Week 9, real quick, let's take a second here and talk about our Patreon. We do have one. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And we've made it very simple. We have three very easy tiers, Quinn. Three delicious tiers. They're very delicious. Three tiers of tastiness. <laughs> yeah. The first tier is for one buck, the dollar menu there. Yeah, the value menu. You uh, get the raw footage of this. Yeah. The misadventures of us uh, doing this podcast. <laughs> yes, misadventures. Very good way to put it. You can see all the uh, the flubs and technical difficulties, uh, some in-between discussion. You can see a much better lit Joe than me. Yeah, which Quinn is still griping about why my camera looks better. We have the same camera. Yeah, I'm, I really think it's the lighting, but whatever. I think it is, too. And that's only for a dollar. You get a raw video feed. That's every single week with the release of our Monday episode. So what you're listening to right now, you can also see us doing it if you're interested in that kind of thing. And then if you double down, two bucks a month now. Two bucks, Chuck. For two bucks, Chuck, what you get is not only the raw video every Monday, but every other Friday, you get an extra audio podcast. And it's about an hour. And it is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra, where Quinn and I dive into the suggestion list and do four of the best and worst of something. Yeah, it's a uh, wonderful little show, and it, it's our favorite. It was our favorite segment for a while on this show. But yes, now, it was. switching to the Royal Rankings, which yeah. are coming up next. Yeah. Uh, now we you can, can still get do it. You can still get both, but it, it's two dollars. That's it, two dollars a yeah. month, and you get two per month. You know, so that's really only a dollar per Rushmore. That's not yeah. bad. And then that's a two dollar tier. And then for the three dollar tier, 
Not only do you get the weekly raw dump, not only do you get the bi-weekly Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra, but on the other Fridays, you get 1982 WWF as reviewed and live watched by Quinn and myself. And Quinn, that is quite an adventure. Yeah, we watch it so you don't have to, even if the quality <laughs> is poor. Yeah. Um, we, we'll watch it. Yeah, it's a really fun time. Quinn and I are in August of 82 now. We've been going through the entire year. We've been doing this almost two years. It's taken us two years to get to August. Yeah, and our whole quest is to get through 82 and then get into 83 and see as how things change as Vince McMahon Jr. took over the company. Right, he just got the papers yeah. like a month or two before <laughs> yeah. where we're at now. He got the papers. And if you're willing to uh, sacrifice three papers per month, you can watch it along with us. So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Three great tiers. You know, just to clarify, Quinn and I do this Monday show. It's free. It'll always be free. What we do is we want to give you fans a chance to give to us if you want to. And if you want to, we give you some extra content in return. So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Quinn, the Royal rankings are upon us and it's week nine. That's it. After this next week is it. We'll have all 20 guys in there and a quick refresher here. What the Royal Rankings have been, Quinn and I took a list of 20 WWF champions as voted by you, the fans. Now, we got, there were 40-something or 50-something names total on the list of your favorite WWF champions. Yes, there were. We narrowed it down to the top 20, and we are literally drawing randomly every week two names. And you can see that drawing on the Raw video. I, I must stress, especially this week. Yes. That this is absolutely random. It really is. And again, you can see us do that on the Raw video uh, this week. So what we've done is we've ranked them. And here is the current top 10. And then we'll do the bottom 10. <laughs> At number one, still, John Cena. The best of all time. Number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Stone Cold one. His yep. stones are very cold. Very and cold. They've been frozen at number two for quite a bit. <laughs> number three, a new entrant. When's the Macho Man? Well, he's at number three. Wow, what an entry, right? Yeah. He just went in there. Usually he sucks at these Royal Rumble, <laughs> Battle Royal type of situations, but, but he's here, up, here he's, he is. He's up there. Brett Hart holding strong at number four. Mm. The Rock, yeah. number five. Yeah, I mean, we know the long <laughs> storied history of those two slots. Yep. CM Punk at number six. The Punk one. is yep. still moderately Very good high. Ranking, yeah, yeah. He's, he's only moved down one rank his That's entire right. stay. And he's above Triple H, who's at number seven. The Horseman. Yeah, the Horseman. Number eight, superstar Billy Graham. A, a very high ranking for a one-time champion. Absolutely. Unlike Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> number nine, Brock Lesnar. The Brocky. Yeah, Brocky. Brocky. We christened him Brocky. Yep. And rounding out number 10, Ric Flair. Ric Flair. Kind of teetering, huh? He's teetering. Here's the bottom 10. Now, so these guys don't matter. They're uh, they're eliminated from the top 10. They will never they're be back. Ugly. But here, <laughs> they're stupid. Yeah. Shawn Michaels, who's bald also. At 11, which <laughs> yep, we've goes explained to 11. the whole Shawn Michaels yeah. thing, yeah. Number 12, Bobby Backlund. The Bobster. I don't know. uh, People probably didn't like that, but whatever. I think he could be lower. Oh, come on now. Number 13, Hedge. Hedge? (laughs) High rank for him. The 13th greatest champion? I guess so. Number 14, Mankind. Mankind. Some people might be surprised by that, but think about it. Think about it. Number 15, Randy Orn. Not last. Not last, (laughs) because last and least here. Unfortunately, someone's got to be, and it's Eddie Guerrero at 16. Yep. So that brings you up to speed there on the current rankings, but Quinn... Let's go now to the Royal Rankings Week 9. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. I've never been pinned for a three-count, man. I'm better than you are, yeah. Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. 
I have prints on God's green earth. You know, I can't tell you how proud I am to be once again World Wrestling Federation champion. When I'm the best wrestler in the world, and can't nobody tell me different. I'll win the championship match again. I think Axe is going to win because I think he's the only one that beat Andre the Giant. Yoko Suna! It's the Royal Rankings week number nine, getting towards the home stretch here, Quinn. Yep. Are we getting Axe this week? I hope we get Axe. When's Axe? (laughs) That should be the new question. When's Axe? When's Axe? We've gone over the participants. And it is an exciting time because, we're, there, like I said, there are only four left. And this was by random drawing, yes. which is interesting because, well, I guess let's just say it. Let's all find out who drew number 17. You piece of slime, you have your fun. He's in good condition, Vince. Good condition, Vince himself, finally. The, the Brunster. The Bruno, Brunster. Bruno San Martino. The original living legend, Bruno yep. San Martino. Now, no, not Larry Zabisco. Oh, no, please, no. Now, Quinn and I don't often get a chance to talk about the wrestling career of Bruno, mainly because his era that he wrestled is kind of predates what we talk about to an extent. But I will say this. We talk about him as a commentator enough that we have a, a handle on <laughs> his uh, syntax and the way, things he says. But He Bru- says things. He says things. But Bruno San Martino, folks, this is this is a big one. Yes. It, it really is because Bruno San Martino won the title in 1963. Not in Rio de Janeiro. No, Buddy Rogers won right. in Rio the de Janeiro. The first champion. Yes. He, he beat the first champion. So he's the second WWF champion. Right. Now, Bruno San Martino... You may know this already, but Bruno San Martino held the title for almost eight years right. on this first run. Unheard so of. We are taking you all the way from the Beatles not even being in America yet until breaking up. Yeah. Ram was coming out. Past breakup, right? <laughs> Plastic Ono Band and Imagine were coming out. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> By the time Bruno lost it. Now, he lost it to Ivan Koloff. So that's th- there he is. Wins it from Buddy Rogers in 63. Right. Loses it to Ivan Koloff in 71. In between, Bruno San Martino caught fire with the Northeastern mm-hmm. fan base. Now, he was uh, obviously a native of Italy and then had relocated to Pittsburgh and right. he had a yard. He was, Yeah, he had a yard. He was very relatable to the New York City fan. Yeah, because he was that working class toughness, that kind of never give up attitude, if you will. He was a uh, common man, you'd say. Like, he was, though. Working hard with his hands. Now, he was not, you got to remember, he won this in 63. He was not in the mold or the vein of a Vern Gagne. I mean, he was pretty hairy. <laughs> Like <laughs> but he and he had more hair than Luthez, let's say, yeah. Bergani combined. I, mean, I would say you you say not in the mold of no, Vern, not at I, all. I, personally, I think not. I'm not saying he's like Vern Gagne. I'm just saying that not at he all. was like a shooter like Vern Gagne, though. Oh, he had a legitimate aspect to him, right? But in terms of the style of wrestling, it <laughs> it wasn't Vern's style it's of professional little, wrestling. A little goofier. There was power. Yeah. He had more of a power style. Yeah, but I would say there's even like, there's exaggerated like punches kind yes, of thing. Yes, like, right. It was very uh, sports entertainment, if yeah, you will. To Bruno. Wasn't yeah, in, it, in that era. I though. really punched him, Vince. <laughs> like, I, that's what he would tell you, too. He was like kayfabe all the way. Oh, he was a kayfaber. And Bruno, I guess it was the fact that he was an immigrant. Mm-hmm. I guess it was the fact that he was kind of this regular guy that worked hard. 
he won over that crowd. He won over that audience. He wasn't a New York native, but they loved him in New York. They loved him in Boston. They loved him in Philly. They loved him in that area. They loved him in, in D.C., right. wherever they ran shows. I'm going to tell you something. Vince. I want this man not only out of wrestling, but out of the country, because in every way that I can imagine, Vince, this guy, he stinks. And he had some notable feuds there, one of which, another guy we never get to talk about the wrestling career of, but Gorilla Monsoon. Yes, he did feud with the Gorilla Man. Big um, uh, heel gorilla. Yes. Uh, was Gorilla considered one of his greatest opponents? Yes, or, or in my mind he is. I mean, yes. No. If you were to if you were to list some of the greatest opponents of Gorilla Monsoon, or not Gorilla, but uh, Bruno San Martino, who would they probably be? You would think. I'd say that Gorilla Monsoon is up there. I know that he had a notable feud in his second run against Stan Hansen. Did he face the Chief at some point? I don't know if he faced the Chief because they were both faces. Okay. Obviously, Ivan Koloff was a big right. rival of his. And there's a lot of other people that I'm not going to think of, obviously, as we're doing this. And you right. fans at home, fill in the gaps for us. But Bruno San Martino's run was really freaking long. Let's just establish that now, okay? Right. Whether, mean, whether that's bad or good, I guess we'll talk about later. So I think that's a consequence of the time, as not as much as like, I don't think it should be factored into why he's good. I will say this, though. Not Everyone had a seven-year-long reign in other promotions, though. No, but I mean, Vern how, didn't. how long was like Luthez, for example, the champion? Well, he had long reigns, but I don't know, in the 60s, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Before the 60s, definitely. I feel like the 60s was like that last era of your long-term champion. Like yeah, in the 70s, 60s, they all started 70s. to get to like shorter time periods. In the 70s, the NWA guys definitely did. Yeah. You know, like, even like Harley races were never seven years. Well, wasn't Vern Gagne in the midst of being the champion for 1,000 years? Yeah. I, I think mean, so like, when he finally lost it or whatever. Yeah. I think the thing about Bruno, though, you know, when he lost it to Ivan Koloff, that right. was a shocker. And that right. was a really big deal. And the film of it is like really horrible. If you've yeah. Ever seen it, that. Uh, it's some millimeter of some kind. <laughs> it, <laughs> Oh, that was a big Russian leg drop across San Martino. No! Oh, you can hear the pin drop. First time ever. We got a new champion. The reason they took it off Bruno was finally, let's give this guy a rest. They gave it to Ivan Kolov, a big Russian heel, you know, playing up a Russian gimmick and everything. And they put it on Pedro Morales for a few years. Right, and that stunk. <laughs> I mean, they, they admitted it stunk. No, they admitted it stunk, and they tried, though. you got to give them that. They tried to yeah. do the same thing with a Puerto Rican immigrant this right, time. Right, but I wonder if the plan was to do that for eight more years. Like, they were just like, on to the next one. You know, it honestly could have been. Glenn, yeah. That honestly could have been the plan, but it didn't work. And Pedro lost it to Stan Stasiak. Thankfully. Now, yeah, so as much fun. as I don't like Stan Stasiak, that needed to end. Stan Stasiak is that, like... Okay, I gotta say this. Yeah. To me, that sounds like the most, like, we need to get the belt off this guy now. Who the hell's in the hopper yeah, to fight him next? Because like, Stan Stasiak was, like, an overweight, kind of balding, non-threatening type of guy. Right. It's clearly, like... It was just designed. It was just almost like Stan Stasiak won the Who's Face and Pedro right now lottery. Right. Like, <laughs> like Maybe. essentially. So, and you know what his finisher was, right? The claw thing? No, right? worse. Which the one, one finisher that's like worse than oh, the claw. Oh, the heart punch. Yes. Yeah. You got the, it. Two things that crushed it. 
<laughs> yeah. That's all I remember about about Stan Stacy. I know he did one or the other things that yeah. Crush did. <laughs> right. Therefore, he's like Crush. <laughs> so Bruno wins it from Stan Stasiak and kicks off his second run. And that's where he had some feud with uh, Stan Hansen that was well received. Yep. And he feuded with superstar Billy Graham, and that's who he eventually like lost to. I like the second run better. It feels you like seventies Bruno better. I like him better. Yeah, I think sixties Bruno is like this enigma. Maybe he's an enigma, a mystery wrapped in a riddle. Yeah, he's a mystery wrapped in a Twinkie. You know how like the medieval times are like an enigma to people. Right. Like, it's like ah, eh, we know like some stuff happened. The Middle Ages, basically. The Middle Ages. Yeah. It's like that's what Bruno's first run is. It's like this very mysterious dark time where nobody really all they know is bruno was the champion for eight years right like, you can't really describe much that happened like it, he, yeah uh, i mean he fit with ernie ladd i think was yeah, one of the other like, guys killer kowalski people like right. that but in the 70s he becomes i don't know he starts to become the living legend he starts to become the living legend and he's a little more animated i'd say he's less shooter his hair is fluffier his hair is fluffier <laughs> he's he just, still very hairy he just kind of Goes with the flow of the seventies. He makes sense, right? In the seventies, like still? everything I see in, of him in the seventies, it, it, it's fun. It's, it's exciting. Good. Yeah, he is good in the seventies. A little grungier, but it, it's also a little more seventies. Bell bottoms, and disco, <laughs> and stuff. Your opponent, Nikolai Volkov. Unquestionably, you've taken on gentlemen in the past of tremendous physical magnitude. Uh, notwithstanding the ability of one Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, real quick here before we move on to number eighteen. Bruno, as a champion, he fits the definition of a champion, Quinn. You can't argue that. He's got the aesthetic. And he's not a bad wrestler by any means. And he can be exciting at times. Fiery. He can be fiery. He's likable. He's likable. It's just like... What don't you like about Bruno? I know you don't like him. I can't put my finger on it. It's just like... I think it's just the average Joe thing. Yeah, where a lot of people like that, and hell, I mean, I like Daniel Bryan, for example, like an average Joe style champion in the modern times. Yeah, sure. But even a Daniel Bryan, there's just a something more there. Bruno feels like I don't know your dad. There, there's something like extraordinarily average about him, comparably to most other champions. That might have been why he hit home with so many people. I though. get, yeah, working I get hard that. for a living, going to see their wrestling, taking the D train, if that even goes MSG, you know, and going to see this guy who who they relate to. They're 36 years old. They work a hard job. Maybe their parents were immigrants, and they see this guy beating up Killer Kowalski or Big Cat or any ladder gorilla. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, kick his ass. The same way you and I, smaller guys, we relate to a Daniel Bryan. Right. But it's even like, it's just his his whole You just thing. don't like him. It's you just, just don't like him. There's no convincing you. I just, I look at every other champion. The only ones that compared to him, like, in his time, are the ones that he lost it to are obviously inferior people. Clearly. For example, the guy, inferior, he, the guy he finally lost it to, Billy Graham. Now, that's, like, different and yeah. unique and fun and just... There's but that a, takes nothing away from Bruno. It takes Quinn. nothing away, but it also it goes to show you that there's something about Bruno that couldn't last forever. But it did last that long. It lasted long. And if it was just a formula, Quinn, then it would have worked just as well with Pedro. So Bruno himself had to have something to do with it. True. Because if if they could have just inserted, they tried inserting Pedro in. He did okay from what I understand. I'm not a big Pedro Morales expert, and I don't want to be. He did okay 
but not as good as Bruno. Exactly. So it wasn't just the positioning of him. There had to be something to Bruno. And I, I know we'll talk more about that I think come when ranking you rank time. Him, yeah. That's when you'll start to notice the flaws. Well, I'm like, going to keep an open mind, and I hope you do too, because I'll try. Yeah. you and I are both not huge Bruno fans, but I think I'm being a bit more sympathetic to him, perhaps, than you May- are. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, it's just, okay, this is the thing that we keep saying during this. It's like, just because it's old and original and long-lasting doesn't mean it's better. Like, Look, I understand that, and that's true. And, and just because, though, Quinn, it was something that we grew up on and versus something we didn't doesn't make it better either. True. We have to be fair in but all contexts. Yeah, here. and I mean, I think a lot of people's disagreements with this list is because I think there is a idea of like who the best champions are that's set in stone to a lot of people. Right. And, and I think that's going to have to be kept in mind with Bruno because that's a big thing that a lot of people are just like, well, Bruno held it for you know a million years yep, and right. he's like one of the first champions, so he's got to be the best automatically. Like that, I, okay, that's that, fair. That, that is like literally like that is like the orthodoxy, I would say, <laughs> of, of like ranking the, WWF champions. That's the canon, right? Right. Yeah. That's the <laughs> that that's fine. But at the same time, before we move on now to number eighteen, at the same time, there's also a prevailing thought that well, this is my favorite guy, therefore he's the best, and we're also avoiding that, which we I think we've been very fair with. For, hell, Shawn Michaels is number eleven, right? He's right. not even he, in the top ten, which I think is fair, right? But now Brett. It's another story. But hey, if, if he wasn't four, he'd be five. So it's not like he got two. Fair enough. Right? It's not like he. I'm trying to make him be number one or something. Yeah. I put Savage above him very handily mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, folks, keep that in mind with your list. But again, we, we've taken a little opinion, a little context, a little analysis. You like to say scientific analysis yeah, here. Yeah, make it as scientific as possible. Okay, right? fair enough. Let's get now, finally, to number 18. It's the Hulker. When it comes crashing down and it hurts hurts inside, inside. here he is. Wow. Wow, he's finally here. Now, you may say to yourself, self, wow, we just had Hogan and Bruno now. Well, where do you go from here? Where do you go from here? Well, find out next week. Find out next week. But in the meantime, the Hulkster. The Hulkster brother. Finally. Holy shit. Okay. Now, this to me (laughs) is the big one. Yeah. There is only one big one. And it's the Hulkster brother. The Hulker. The Hulka. The Hulk himself. Yeah. Hulkamania. Yeah. <laughs> Without rehashing his entire pre-WWF career, we'll sum it up very quickly. He was a heel in WWF in 79-80, did very well, feuded with Andre, charismatic. Yeah. Went to AWA, turned face. Was well, he, he fought Rocky first fought, <laughs> before that. Fought Rocky. That's when he became a big deal. Yeah. Went to AWA, turned face because he was so cool and different, yeah. right? And again, in the vein of a Billy Graham, really. Right. Uh, but just evolved form of yep, Billy Graham. More magnetic, even, I'd yeah. say, than Billy Graham. Turned face was a big deal, almost won the AWA title, had some disputes with money with Vern. Vince McMahon took him back, or Vince McMahon Jr. took him back. Right, because he got fired by Senior. Yep. For being in Rocky. For being in Rocky uh, in late 83. Saves Backlund from the Samoans in January of 84. Backlund had lost the title to the Iron Sheik. Another transitional champion in the yep. vein of Koloff and in the right. vein of Stasiak. He literally was designed to lose the title to Hulk Hogan. Correct. And there you have Hulk Hogan, MSG, January 23rd, 1984. We have a new champion as Hulk Hogan. Lord of the Moonlight Iron Sheik. History made in Madison Square Garden. And the fans on their feet. 
That is an electric crowd. Yes. For Hogan Sheik, which is a five-minute world title match. It's a squash, essentially. Too. It well, really actually, is. Sheik gets his offense gets, in. Gets, he gets the camel clutch. It, it's actually, I wouldn't say it's a squash. I correct myself on that. It's more a, um, it's a prototype for every Hogan match. It's the gets go. beat up, yep. hulks up, yep. punch, 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 yep. big bootleg drop, he wins. And that kicks off Hogan's first run, right. which is four years. Right, long time to long be the champion, the champion, as Andre the Giant once said. <laughs> Three years to be a champion. It's a long time. And in the span of time, Hulk Hogan takes some of the qualities that appealed to people that Bruno had and Pedro and Backlund, which is this fighting for the common good. Right. Fighting for the everyman. America. Fighting for America, but doing it on such a larger, more charismatic scale than anyone prior to him had done. I would say almost anyone after, too. I would say so too. He's so bombastic compared oh, to like God, yeah. any other wrestler you will ever find. Even the Macho Man, which is like insane. Yeah, like, it, but he is. He's, I mean, he he glows orange and he wears t-shirts that are already ripping before he takes them and off. And he finally rips he it off. Rips and it off. He like, cups his hand to his ear. Yeah, he he's a living superhero. Everything with Hogan in this whole run is big. Big moves, big gestures, big entrance, big yep. theme song, and big I think, promos. I think the thing that's so great about that, and you always like to point it out, is this was a guy that could actually scientifically wrestle if you, yeah, well, if he was in the situation where he needed to do it, like in Japan and stuff. Yep, he could. Like you be, you will be fascinated to see it's true. Hogan doing like actual wrestling moves. He can do them. Like he's a he guy. Can hold his own. He, he's as you always say. He's a really smart wrestler. He did what he, he needed to do. He plays to the crowd. His yeah. style molds to the crowd, even when he turned heel later on yep. in his career, right? He like, was one of the smartest wrestlers ever. Right. He really was because he knew exactly what he needed to do to get the most out of the people, you know, for the people that were paying to see him. He was right. just brilliant. But he became a pop culture phenomenon while he was champion right. in the and 80s. Which I can say about no previous champion. And that's due partially to, obviously, Vince McMahon's marketing genius in that period of time in the right. 80s. Hogan was a national phenomenon absolutely worldwide phenomenon even he was everywhere he had a cartoon named after him right he had advertising i always like to see he was on the cover of sports illustrated he was on saturday night live he choked out richard belzer he was in movies quotation yeah (laughs) quotation yeah and he was a champion for a long time and here's the most important thing obviously people paid to see him day in and day out show after show Main event after main event, they paid to see him feud with Big John Studd, Kamala, King Kong, Bundy. They paid to see him feud with Roddy Piper, Randy Savage, Andre the Giant. They wanted to see this guy, and I thought it was brilliant. I think you're starting to believe in your own bullshit, Hogan. What I find so interesting about Hulk Hogan, all throughout the career of a lot of these guys we talk about, there's more like ebbs and flows, ups and downs, right? Yeah. Hulk Hogan... At no time in his career, champion or not, even later runs as champion, like in the 2000s, right. at no time is he not a phenomenon in some form or fashion. Even in like that yeah. late run, everyone was like... Always it, an attraction. It was like this big Hulk Hogan's back. Yep. Like, it, oh my God. And, he, and he's Like, he's always... Smartest. He never had the belt when people thought he was... Like, he, he would get thinking, out of there. Yeah, he, he would leave. He'd get the fuck out like, exactly. if, if anybody was getting tired of him or anything. He was burnt out in 88, went to make a movie, took some time off. Right. We covered Savage last week. As much as people bitch when he like won the WCW title, it's like, oh, Hulk Hogan. It was great for business. Everyone was paying hand over fist uh-huh. to see Hulk. 
Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Yep. Paying hand over fist to see him. Yep. And so we'll we'll go through briefly his last few reigns because yeah. they're not as big as the first one. The Savage one, he beat Savage at WrestleMania 5. Mm-hmm. Hey, I think it was time for him to get the belt again, give it another crack. Right. And he had a bit of a break. Yeah, I mean, he hadn't had the belt in a year, over right. a year. He had it now from WrestleMania 5. Nice continuity to WrestleMania 6. Right. And his 89 run is not really that memorable. It's probably more memorable if you were a house show goer. Yeah, like all being- the boss man feuds were awesome. He feuded with Kurt Hennig. Yeah. He had some really good stuff. Let's not get carried away and say he didn't, right? The Zeus feud, you know, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but people loved it. It was stupid. It was fun, right? right? The Savage and Zeus thing. It was great. And then he loses it to Warrior, WrestleMania 6. We all know that. Because, again, time off. Make a movie. Maybe stop doing this finally. But no. Warrior didn't work out. Hogan comes back. It's kind of crazy to think that was only Reign 2. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and all this shit's happened already. His third one, he wins from Sergeant Slaughter at seven, the Hulk himself, you know? Which is actually a. Hulk Mini Lives. I think it's probably one of the best Sergeant Slaughter matches I've ever seen. That, other the than Patterson the boot, one. Uh, uh, yeah, other than the boot camp. That's I a mean, good Sergeant Slaughter match. It's surprising that Hulk and Slaughter were able to have a really good match. In the midst of, yeah, right. In the midst of a stupid storyline, first of older. all. Both older. Yeah, both older. Very predictable outcome. Right. But man, that was that's not bad at all. That's like a fine main event that fine match. Main event. It really is. Now that run is when all the controversy starts to happen, right? This is when we start like twisting like Hulk Hogan's yes. stuff. Yeah. So in real life, George Zahorian gets indicted for steroids, which makes WWF very nervous, which makes Hulk Hogan very nervous. And they have a big gigantic <laughs> muscular goblin right. running around that's orange. So WWF pretty much tells everyone at the end of 91, get the hell off the steroids. Yeah. So they do for the most part. And if they don't, they're actually fu- people leave or get fired. Right. You know, mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah. Not only that, the sex scandal thing and all these allegations. So WWF's name is being sullied and rightfully so to, to a degree. They were bringing being brought down to earth. Too. Yeah, exactly. Finally. Welcome to earth. But with that came Hulk Hogan saying, Laura, I'm going to get out of here. But before he does that, Flair comes into the WWF, and then Hogan feuds with Flair. And Flair costs Hogan the title to Undertaker at the Survivor Series. He got Paul Drake right into the steel chair. Wait a minute. One, come on. Two, get out. We got a new world champion. We got a new world champion. First of all, the Undertaker beating... Hulk Hogan. Yep. A year into his career. A year into his career. That's weird. And you know who's in the crowd for that one, of course, is Roddy Hogan. Roddy Hogan. (laughs) Well, Roddy Hogan always there when Hogan loses, right? Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It's almost like he's like, just they they want to disappoint him. (laughs) Yeah. So Jack Tunney gets mad. Never fucking again will Undertaker get help from Ric Flair. I'll be at ringside this Tuesday in Texas, whatever, right? Yeah, like a week later. Yeah. It is my decision that the Undertaker meet Hulk Hogan in a rematch for the World Wrestling Federation title this f- Tuesday in f- Texas. Amen. So then, of course, Tony gets beat up by Flair by accident. There's something at Tuesday in Texas. <laughs> Hogan throws the ashes at Undertaker from the urn because that's what's in an urn is ashes. I don't know why they never thought of that. <laughs> why was it always green or a flashlight? I'm not well, sure. Because that's the magic that's also with the ashes. So, oh, okay. Don't you know? No, I guess I don't. And then uh, Hogan wins it back. But Jack Tunney's pissed. He's like, never fucking again can that happen. It's vacant. Fuck you. <laughs> that one part of it is weird to me. That yeah. like, well, The Undertaker cheated to win it. Hulk, cheat, Hulk, Hulk. Yeah. Hulk cheats to win it. So why can't 
you know. Yeah, why can't we just call it what it is? It, why can't we just call it even, right? Yeah, it's exactly like, like even but, Stevens were good. Right. But no, you know, the Royal Rumble happens. We all know that. Hogan disappears after WrestleMania 8. He goes to make Mr. Nanny. Right. He obviously left at an opportune time because yeah. WWF was plummeting, right. crumbling even. It was very crumbling. In fact, crumbling would it, be part of it. Soon. Yes. <laughs> and its name was not so good in the uh, in the pop culture world there. But Vince decided he wants Hogan to come back. Hogan decides he'll time, come back. Right. Yep. February 93, Hogan returns. This was this uh, is, horrible. To me, this is one of... This Hulk's is dump. Worst WWF comeback. This ever. is dump, and this is where even the crowd was kind of like, "All right, I guess." But it you was know one of I those mean? things where you couldn't argue with the logic of it because everybody in the new generation was kind of poop compared to Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I mean, like on a kayfabe level, on a kayfabe like, level. Why the fuck would Bret Hart or Yoko right, right, or right. any of those people be able to beat Hulk Hogan? Right, like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so they have a uh, Hogan beat Yakazuma because Fuji calls Hogan a yellow belly. Come on, you yellow belly! Come on! Do you think it makes everyone look bad that Hulk yeah. just like dispatches yep. like anybody, uh, a new generation yep. person in like four seconds? Awful. Like, Awful. Hate like, it to this day. It's, it's like, well, they're clearly not as good. Like, that's like basically what right. it's saying, right? Brett goes out there, yeah. miraculously drags a halfway decent match out of Yakazuma at WrestleMania mm-hmm. 9. Like, it is, it's like Yoko's best match. It's not great, but it's, it's okay. <laughs> Has him in the sharpshooter, Fuji with the salt, and then Hogan's like, right, I'll do it, brother. I'll yeah. win the title. And he has like no problem doing it. That's my favorite. That's, to me, it's almost a. Li- it's actually a little humorous at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's like funny. it's just like real funny. It's almost like Hogan just goes like dink, and yeah. like it's like oh, I'm '80s guy. Fuck you. Yeah. Like it's like you have no chance against me. But then Yokozuna beats Hogan, who is not does not defend the belt on TV the entire time now between WrestleMania me, Nine and King of the Ring. You tell me though that he was on the Who Show circuit though. Yeah, but right? I, even, I think he wrestled mainly in a tag with Beefcake. Well, I don't even know if he did. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) King of the Ring, the fireball, and Hogan loses. And of course, it wasn't legitimate, though. Of course it wasn't. Who's in the crowd? Uh, Roddy Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) This guy buys the tickets to the worst fucking shows, man. (laughs) Hogan should, like, throw him out if he sees him. It's like, I'm going to fucking lose. He's got to get him out of there. And that's it until... Hogan comes back in 02 as a heel in the NWO. Yes, like almost 10 years later. Is a big face at WrestleMania 18, because of course he's going to be, against right. The Rock. Well, that wasn't planned, though, right? No, like, no, they, it they wasn't planned. didn't think that was going to happen. But I'm, they're dumb for not thinking it would happen. So, basically, he has this match with The Rock, and it's important to the title because it's the reason why they put the title Correct. on it, basically, right? Basically, he has the match with The Rock, and they're expecting, oh, the people are going to love The Rock. The Rock's yeah. so popular, and Hogan's this big heel. Yeah. Nobody likes Hollywood Hogan yeah, because he, he never loses, and he sucks, right? Big misfire there. Hulk comes out. Immediately, I think the fans put two things together. One, Hulk Hogan's here. <laughs> yeah, right. Two, he's in WWF. So the logical next conclusion is, why is he not just red and red and yellow right. Hulk Hogan? Like, he's in his old stomping grounds. Yep. It makes sense, right? Yep. Like, we should be rooting for him. He's Hulk Hogan. That's Hulk Hogan! So he gets a huge reaction at WrestleMania 18, turns face. Yeah, they kind of, like, immediately... They, t- they turn to face, he steals the Hollywood gear, and then, like, a couple weeks after that, then they're just like, no, he's just Hulk Hogan He's just again. Hulk Hogan Yeah, it's again. like, well, what the fuck are we yeah. even doing? Like, <laughs> like, he should just be the Hulkster brother. And you know Mr. Important Triple H, who won the title of WrestleMania 18 from Chris Jericho in the match no one cared about? Yeah. He loses it one month later to <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Uh, April of 02, backlash. Mr., I thought I was so important with my big face run yep, with, with Lucy. Lucy and all this bullshit. <laughs> Hogan comes in and is like, 
uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> You're crap. I'm Hulk Hogan, brother. Yes. You call yourself the king of the universe. Fuck you. Yeah, like, basically. He, he just, like, pinks, like, tink. Tink like, out of here. Tinks him out of there. So Hogan has a one-month nostalgia run, which was very bizarre. Very I, strange. I personally love this because it didn't last long. It didn't last long. It was like the perfect amount of time. It was fun. Yep. We got to see Triple H lose. Which is great. Like To somebody who is actually better than him in every facet. He like, is, like, right. There is no, again, with WWE's revisionist history of like Triple H king of the world. Right, right. It was so great to see the Hulkster bring him down to size. Like It really was. Like, and in the ultimate twist of irony, Hulk Hogan loses the title a month later in May of 02 to the Underwear Taker. Which is, <laughs> what I, is I, going on here? Like, I love that they did that because it's almost like the Undertaker was like, it piles into the whole Undertaker always trying to get his belt back thing. And somehow it's like he winds up back again at yeah, Hulk Hogan. The booger red version of him, too. <laughs> So that's Hogan's runs. And Hogan's, you know, he needed to lose. Hogan yes. didn't like... I, I it was felt 2002. Like, and I felt like Hogan did I don't remember hearing Hogan making a big fuss about it. It was just like, okay. Like, I, well, I'm, I'm I would old. imagine. Yeah, like... He can't have that much clout no, too. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. Right. Hogan, obviously, is the uh, the epitome for me of a WWF champion. He's... He's Hulk Hogan. I can't say it because we're not ranking yet, but... I, I, we're about to. I so. like him a lot. Let's All put right. it that way. I do, too. I don't think we need to talk further about him yet. Let's go to the rankings... Bruno San Martino, Michael Quinn. Mm. Well, not a favorite of yours, but I'm going to be very open minded about this and we're going to talk through this. Would you say, I think a good place to start talking about Bruno would be at Brock Lesnar, number nine. He is better than Brock Lesnar. Absolutely. I think so. Now, what's interesting about those two, if you're just comparing them, right? Yeah. They have a very legitimate aspect to them, which I think is where their similarities are. But I think that's where the similarities end also. Right. The fact that both are are touted as legitimate, um, you know, Athletes. shooters yep. too. I mean, Brock is a division one wrestling champion. Yep. And also an MMA champion. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A bunch of that. Obviously in real life, um, I think even Bruno in his heyday could not beat Brock Lesnar in a fight. In, but in that, Brock's heyday? Probably not. Yeah. If both were in their heydays. No, but that's yeah. not a qualifier. Right. Here I this. understand that. I'm just saying. I think uh, uh, I Bruno's think, a better promo than Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and 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 <laughs> memorable wise, uh, Bruno, Bruno's better. Quinn. Bruno's better. So Brock Lesnar would be going down a slot. He would be, but I also think Bruno is better than Billy Graham. The next one up, Billy Graham. Bruno's um, better than Billy Graham. There's no yeah, way around it. You know? I agree with that. Mm. He is clearly not as charismatic. Yeah, as Billy Graham. That's going to be an Achilles heel on this list for Bruno, I think. That's his one Achilles heel, though, I think, because his right. charisma. But once you start finding guys that are the total package, yep. you're going to see that Bruno won't be able to contend with something we'll, like that. We'll see how we go here. So, okay, he's above Billy Graham, though. Right. He's above Triple H also. There's no fucking way I am putting Triple you H above Bruno You mean the king of Bruno all Sabertino. wrestling, yeah. the best wrestler of all time? Yeah. Show. Yeah, sure. Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure Bruno's not better than the great one, Triple H? Let me think about that for a minute, because that's a really interesting question, Quinn. You know, yes, I'm sure. Okay, because yeah, I, I am too. <laughs> All right, CM Dump. Now, CM Punk, now this is interesting, only because a lot of people have very high accolades on the boards. Yes, no, this is true. For CM Punk. CM Eric Punk, Points being one of them. Eric Points. Some people rank CM Punk their favorite WWF champion of all time so far. Eric Points um, being one of them. Right. But it's fine. Pe- people have argued for higher for Absolutely. CM Punk. Absolutely, yeah. Um, CM Punk... As we've said, the one thing going for him is is he does have this um, breaking through kind of aspect, this groundbreaking character, 
the pipe bomb and all this, right? That's about all he has. Right. He also was the champion for a long time in his time. Which that was is, a very long reign for that era, for this era. That's why I'm saying if time is something that um, if you wanna, it, it, that means something to you. It depends. Um, CM Punk, mm-hmm. if you're looking at his time period with, because I always say with inflation, yeah, in Bruno's time period, eight years might have seemed a little more normal. Yeah, that's no, true. But in CM Punk's time, his year-long run, like, yeah. he would be considered, holy shit, that's like crazy. It was really long. Yeah. No, it was, really, it was Survivor Series of 11 until Rumble 13. Right. It's a little over a year. In the ring, uh, that's hard. Totally disparate styles. Completely different. It's hard to compare uh, CM them. CM Punk, the... Totally different eras. The new, the new wrestling style, I consider it. Like, uh, sure. I like to say, like, that indie, that new indie style, yeah, right? That's, yeah, that the can, modern indie style now. I can get behind that as a description. I really like how CM Punk is as a wrestler. So do I. I like his look. I think he's a good wrestler. Look-wise, what do you think of CM Punk versus Bruno San Martino? Look-wise? I think CM Punk's got a very cool look. I like the tattoos all over his arms with the taped up. Yeah, no, it's, it's I, different. I, versus Bruno with this, the more basic style. He's but built he's, well. He's built well, uh, heavy on the top. Yep. Uh, I like that, actually. No, I, I do too. It heavy on the top. Look, it looks it makes him look huge, right? I think that Bruno and Punk just are so completely different. Like, it's hard to compare. Yeah. Say who's better. They're just so different. I mean, Bruno looked great for his time. Right. The hair wouldn't fly these days. No, but in his time, that but it, was pretty yeah. normal. But in his in his time, you I know. I like short hair burner better, to be honest with you. I, I like fluffy hair burner. You like fluffy? Yeah, I think he looks the funny. Fro? Yeah, he looks funny. But, uh, you know, in Bruno's time, the only, the only tattoos flying around were sailor tattoos. Yeah, so well, punk punk's I, tattoos. I think Kowalski had a tattoo. <laughs> Probably had sailor tattoos. Harley yeah. Race had sailor tattoos. You yeah. know, all of those guys. Right. But Bruno had a good look for what he was. CM Punk's more of like an anti-hero character. Yeah, Bruno's a hero. Bruno's a hero character. Um, With an attitude. Is CM Punk a better anti-hero than Bruno is a hero? No. I don't you think, think so. Bruno's better at his job of being the type of character he is? Yeah, I really okay. do, Quinn. I really think that Bruno was so likable and relatable. I mean, we're not going to ever see it without being there. Right. But from what I've seen of him, I, I get it. I think yeah. he was really good at what he was supposed to be, which was a fighting champion that people just loved and wanted to see beat up the is, bad guys. I think this is a way more interesting comparison than I really thought it would be because I just thought of another aspect with Punk. Go ahead. And it's something that I think of with Bruno a lot, too. Bruno stood out a lot with live crowds. People are going fucking bonkers for him. Always. CM Punk's got that very similar quality. He really does. Like People go fucking crazy over this guy. Like When he was in his height, like, holy shit. Like, they love him. Yeah. They love like, him. Crowds were just electric for CM Punk. And that's going to be true for, I think, everyone up this list, really. Right. But it, for Bruno, for some reason, I when I envision, when I'm seeing Bruno matches, I'm thinking of the crowds just in this constant... Hanging on his every hum, move, right? yell, yep. scream yep. thing. Yep. And that's the same thing I think of with Punk, and that's why I'm like very... It's very interesting to me. That's all. Yeah, that's and that's fair. But I just think we're talking about Bruno San Martino here, Quinn. Yeah. Uh-huh. He is... You can't put, I'm going to take it up the ladder. You can't put Bret Hart above Bruno San Martino. There's no freaking way. <laughs> and here's where we always run into this problem with this part. When I compare The Rock to Bruno, then it gets weird I in still, my brain. Th- <laughs> I still think so, though, because the, look, The Rock was a good champ, a great champion. Right. But The Rock would have been just as successful without ever being champion, I think. Yeah. Now, I know you always disagree with this, but for some reason, I always think. Maybe it was like when The Rock became big baby face version, but yeah. before he left for Hollywood. Yeah. I always felt like they weirdly portrayed him as a big hero for some reason. 
Like, I, I don't know why. Like, I don't think they really did. He had he would like make the same maybe a, lot a little and, like, more yeah, morality like, in like two thousand one. Yeah, like I that's when I think of him at his height of like he I'm a, a champion, big hero. Man. Yeah, like, he wasn't the champion much during that era. True. His main run is two thousand. He only in ninety his ninety eight ninety nine run is short, interrupted by mankind, and not very good. You know, it's another thing. Why a shirt. I think of him like a morality hero because how he saves McFoley at the Royal Rumble two thousand wasn't the like champion that. though. Yeah. We're talking champions. Right. Quint, Bruno's got to hop all the way up the ladder, I think, too. I don't know. If, I don't think he can beat Randy Savage. I think he can. I don't. I really do. Randy Savage? Yes! The macho man? Look, we love Randy Savage, right? Mm. Bruno San Martino is one of the reasons that we still have wrestling today, because he kept a regional promotion before Vince McMahon Jr. alive and made, making money. He kept his foot on the pedal. He was always a draw. <laughs> mm-hmm. Always mm-hmm. as champion. He's one of the primary reasons that WWF was able to be sustainable. They would have had another guy on top there. Who the hell knows what would have happened in the business? Promotions were dying off all the time back then. If he wasn't around, to be fair, there was plenty of other NWA stars that would gladly go to the New York Territory. How do you know? If they were offered a chance to be the top champion, anybody would take that money. Maybe. Drawing gate and MSG. Are you kidding me? But why would they take that money and why would the WWF have that money to give them to begin with? Because Bruno made it for There was nothing before him. I think you got to remember that. I think the MSG aspect is is bigger than you think. Like having that arena. People there. Right. Bruno did that. That's why they made money. You say this in retrospect, right? Yes. But, okay, would you see, for example, I'm talking guys that were big in the 70s, one of the Funk brothers or something like that. Sure, Dory Funk. Let's go ahead. Dory Funk's probably more comparable than Terry, because Terry's a little wild. Yeah. But, um, Dory Funk, right? Yeah. Say Dory Funk was in Bruno's place. I don't no think... No way. I don't... I personally don't think he would have... Just no if, way. Just if, say, he beat Buddy Rogers no instead. Way. No back way. Back in the day. Not, wouldn't work. Really? Absolutely not. I just Dory Funk from Texas with his technical wrestling stuff. Bruno was what exactly what that area needed. You're just gonna have to see what I'm where I'm coming from on this. The reason they were able to become New York and make money is because they had a guy that drew all these people to them. Now, what's interesting about Bruno is actually, in a weird way, he's somewhat of a substitute from the beginning because they were banking on drawing with Buddy Rogers, right? I mean, that was like he- I don't. Th- that's so. well. That's why they gave him the titles because there was a dispute between Buddy Rogers was, and I think it was either Luthez or someone like that. Yeah, right? exactly. But I don't know if they were planning on. I know Vince loves Buddy Rogers. I know that. Right. I'm saying Buddy Rogers was the basis of forming the promotion in general because of a dispute. Well, it was just that they wanted him to win the title. Luthez and whoever else involved didn't. Yeah, that is true. But Bruno wound up being the champion for eight years, so something was working, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. That's what I'm trying to That's say. That's fine. Something I, worked. We, we gotta take him up. We, we, he belongs in discussion head-to-head with John Cena right now. I nah, think. Steve Austin first. He's got fine. it. We got it. That's fine. I mean, Steve Austin is at this point right now where when we were talking about both these, it was hard to put Cena over Austin. It was. So we need to say a, a thing about Austin is one of the top generating champions he saved the company everything about him he helped save the company yeah everything about him was money yes i 100 percent agree with you almost hogan-esque almost hogan-esque right all that aside as an in-ring performer and as a talent he's one of the most captivating entertaining people during that period of time 
Bruno, while he kept the lights on and he he was a big draw in his time. Absolutely. He did not, even if you were to compare, like I, I understand that money doesn't equal up. But it doesn't. I, I would say that I would probably think most definitely Austin was tr- generating more eyes on the product based off of, it's you a know, different and, time and, how, and drawing more money based off if you compared them equally like if you put the inflation calculator on and everything i'm not sure dollar value here but i know that bruno had i forget how many sell it 30 something so, tons of msg sellouts right that's I, how big a deal it was now you gotta remember now that, austin was selling out arenas across the country though well i don't know what the day-to-day house show attendance was in yeah. 98 okay during the height of his run 98 99 but merch which which was not something bruno could can't hold that against him no but it is true the amount of merch that Austin sold, and he became a pop culture phenomenon. Austin beats him in promo character. Oh well, yeah, of all course. Those places. Absolutely, um, absolutely. I I think Bruno. I think it's a really respectable and solid spot at number three. I think he should be number one or two. I really do. I disagree. I think it, I think it's I think a lot of people base it off this historical calculation that Bruno San Martino is. It's just the best. Well, part of what we're doing is calculation and in right. taking into effect a that's lot of what, these things. No, but that's why I'm. I think that assumption is based off nothing. It's based off of just well, he's one of the first, so of course. It's not that he's one of the first. It's that he was very good at what he did. That's what being a champion is. They patted on him twice for very long periods of time because it worked. I've seen a bunch of Bruno matches. I've seen a bunch of. Austin, I've seen a bunch of Cena. And I personally think that Austin is just, he's just better by a little he's bit. He's more like, fun to watch. Th- th- everything about him is just way more entertaining. But that's not the only criteria, though. We're talking as champion, right? I, yeah, but we we also made other cases already for Austin. Uh, money, draw, tr- a transformative champion. He saved the company. I'd say Bruno has all those same qualities. You can't Bruno, I, compare I, dollar to dollar because it's not the same thing. I can't There's say not as much opportunity. Bruno is is transformative as much as he's very status quo for when, of his time. I don't even know if he needed to be transformative because there was nothing to transform yet. He was a building block. Yeah, but by the 70s run, there's a reason people wanted to... There's a reason why a guy like Billy Graham stood out so much mm-hmm. at the end of Bruno's Absolutely. Run. But that's not to take anything away from Bruno. I just think Bruno is bland in that sense. I think he's definitely I, not an exciting champion through and through, but he has a, he's very exciting in the ring or can be. You're talking about the the New York territory here in all of its history to Austin yes. to, to John Cena. Right. One of the things it it was about and you've said it mm-hmm. even with Bruno is entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Even if not as much so before the 80s, but yes. It was more flashy and more entertaining than Austin NWA. Austin was so bombastic and yes. uh, and just such a breaking all these norms and stuff. I just think that just stands out so much more from an entertainment perspective. He was a guy you couldn't take your eyes off of. I watch a Bruno match and while yeah, there's exciting moments at the end and I enjoy it. In the end, generally, mm-hmm. like I, I get excited at the end. There's a lot of sitting around. There's, you know, I'm not hanging on absolutely everything that's happening in the match. Yeah, but who in 1970, whatever, are you hanging on? I mean, it's a different style. It's a different era. Fair. Bruno's one of the best at what he did. But Austin's a great evolution of the, of, of that entertainer. I mean, I, I just think it, it's a high honor to be number three. I don't think it. I don't think it's an insult to Bruno. 
I'm not worried I, about insulting Bruno. I mean, no, we do that on a regular basis. I don't think Bins. it's I don't think it's an insult, and I also don't. I think that the only people who will be mad are people that have this set in stone vision that Bruno San Martino should automatically be the number one champion because, because of, of length and history. Well, history plays a part in everything we're doing it here. It does. So we can't discredit history. Right. I mean, that's that's part of every ranking. I'm not discrediting it, but I don't want it to weigh the scales all the time. I don't that's want... That's fair. Like, uh, I, okay. I, think, I think it's absurd that just because you're this precursor that, of course, you're number one. That's insane to me. Look, I can't argue with you there on, because, because on if, that end. Because if you're saying that, right, that yeah. means nobody ever can be better than Bruno San Martino, and that's just not true. That's fair, Quinn. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree. I don't think anybody should be upset at Bruno San Martino at number three. I think that's uh, that's great. If you were willing to put him above Austin or even Cena, I would too. But if you're not, I'm not. Gonna, I, can't, I can't do it. I'm I, not going to spend a half hour trying to convince. I, you. I really don't think it's fair. Really, huh? I don't think it's fair. Austin really was a really big deal. He was Quinn. Think about wrestling right now. Right? Yeah, I am. We're still they're still chasing after the Austin. They're not chasing after Bruno San Martino. Well, okay, fair enough. All right, let's put him in at number three. That knocks yeah. Ric Flair out of the top ten, rightfully so. Right. I would say, in all seriousness. And now Hogan, I'm not gonna okay. waste any time. Hogan, just so for the sake of having like a discussion, Where I'm gonna want- start Hogan at Bruno. Like what is he better than Bruno? He's got all the qualities of Bruno San Martino and then some. Right. He he is a better version of Bruno San Martino. Right. Without question. In every sense, meaning he related to people, but they also he also had an additional aspect was that he was larger than life. I think his style is more similar to Bruno than it is the two guys above Bruno. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's similar to Cena's, that too. That big punch thing. Yeah, like Cena's similar. Cena's similar, but yeah. Cena's even more of an upgrade, like a more, In not rest. that new, I keep calling it it's that newer new, style, that new yeah. modern uh, indie style. Right. Cena's got a, as much as people uh, get on Cena's case. He's a good wrestler. There's, there's a little, like, there's a weird indie thing in there with him that I always notice, like the step over toe hole yeah, kind of shit. He like, knows what he's doing. Yeah. but um, Hogan's better than Bruno. Hogan is way better than Bruno. But, it's because Hogan took everything that was good about Bruno and just added to it. He was it's a, almost like they combined Bruno and, and Graham. Graham together and they made a baby and it's Hulk Hogan. There's a visual for you. Yeah. But I would say I would say he does top Bruno and I would say that he tops Austin. I yeah, I think so. I think that's an interesting discussion though. Some people might want to ask why does he top Stone Cold Steve Austin? Because he just does. He is just better than Steve Austin as a champion. Right. Now Again, we're not going to go dollar to dollar on this, but the whole reason that there was anything for WWF to ever be anything to ever compare to the 80s boom, you know, which is the Attitude Era, mm-hmm. is because there was an 80s boom. And it was so huge. WWF had never been that big until Hogan was champion. Now, I don't always like to throw that around. But however, in Austin's case, the carrot that Austin was chasing after was to bring the company back to the prominence that it was with Hulk Hogan. Well, right? that's a good point. Like yeah. that literally I feel like the goal of the WWF in the 1990s was to get to a place where they were in 1991, 1990, 1989. 1989. Yeah, those, I think those, so. Around that time, right? To be making a lot of money. The entire goal of the decade was to get back to that. I and would Austin, say so. Austin was the realization of that. And to beat WCW. 
But again, that's being number one. It's all, yeah. and that's what Hulk Hogan yeah. made them, right? And who was number one over in WCW, by the way? Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I mean, it says something that Hulk Hogan was the competition. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's even, very even in, interesting. Even in, even in his age, yes. higher age. But he could still, he he could still, still draw a house. Like, now, I'll take, I'll take 1990s Austin over WCW Hogan any day of the week. Yeah, I don't clearly. think that's, I don't even see that. I don't even want to insult Hogan. I think it's, I think it's a credit to him as a performer that in the late 90s, he was still trying. Yep. Like, uh, that, is some, that is something to behold. Yeah, I just think that Hogan's runs, especially his first one, but all of them, no, not O2, uh, <laughs> were just so big, so mm-hmm. big for business, and so just they epitomize that era. The same way Austin epitomized the Attitude Era, but I just like Hogan's era better, and I think Hogan's era was more formative and important, and I think that it was what the WWF needed in 1984. Yep. They needed a Hulk Hogan. Yep. Imagine They would have never competed nationally without Hulk Hogan. No. I period. Mean, end of story. It's an argument people have, but I agree with you. Mm-hmm. They couldn't have done what they did without Hogan. They could have gotten closer. Now, Ric Flair was a, a solid rival to that. Yeah. Um, but... Nothing was like Hulk Hogan, and nothing has ever been Rick Flair like Hulk Hogan. himself admits. Like, How do you compete with that? And again, Hogan's not my favorite wrestler of all time. Hogan is not a good person, particularly. No. And, but that's not what this is about. It's about champions. It's about champions. Now. There has never been a Hulk Hogan. There will never be another Hulk Hogan. I think. And a story. I think. He's better than John raised, Cena, too. John Cena. Okay, why? For now everything John, we just said about Austin. Now, John, same thing. Is, John is the closest thing we've had to Hulk Hogan I'm not joking, since Hulk Hogan. Not since Austin. Agree, because Austin was nothing like Hulk Hogan. Right. John Cena is, in my eyes, the modern Hulk Hogan. He is. He is. He's a worldwide phenomenon. Kids love him. For um, the most part, yeah. They really do. They do. And it never has wavered. There's never been a time, and this is interesting to me, is unlike Hulk Hogan. Right. There's never been a time where Cena's had to change who he is. He is a perfectly designed character. Now, I don't know what the future may hold. However, I don't think Cena's already at the point now where maybe he's a little past doing a repackage like Hulk Hogan. Probably. The heel Cena dream, folks, I'm telling you, is never going to fucking happen. But there is a reason why it was a dream, Quinn, because people were getting tired of him. Same thing with Hogan. Right, but they also, they, never did they also wanted him to become, like, they wanted his second act to be like Hulk Hogan. I, I, I really do feel a lot, a, a lot of people were like, if Cena's so much like Hulk Hogan, wouldn't it be so cool yeah. if he did a Hollywood John yeah, Cena right, thing right. or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I see that side of it. I just, I think Cena is underrated yes. by the overall wrestling fan, including a lot of people listening to the show. And I think that's he's fine. starting to get just about rated, though. He's getting honest. there. I think people are, are realizing their folly with being so anti. The amount of flick and flack we're going to catch for putting Bruno Sammartino under John Cena is astounding. I don't care. I think Cena's I better than him. I don't, but I'm not going to fight further. Bruno's ranked where he is, but Here's Hulk Hogan is not. He, he, Hulk Hogan is number one. If Cena is the closest thing you can compare to Hulk Hogan, right? then... He's better than Bruno Sammartino. Fine, whatever. You know what I mean? We're not talking about Bruno anymore. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Hulk if it Hogan. makes you feel comfortable. But if John Cena is the closest thing you can compare to who? Hulk Hogan. That's why Hogan's number one. Right. Because Hogan is Hulk Hogan. That's there's no way around it. He was the WWF champion. Let's put it this way to put it to rest. When you think of the WWF championship, there's only one man yeah. you think of. Whether you like to or not, I mean, it's 
Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. WWF Championship. Maybe he, not WWE. That belt is him. It is. He is the belt. It is. There's just no way around that. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. how else do you... What do you say to that, right? Right. Yeah, I think we have to, Quinn. I think that's the, the fairest thing to do. It's close. I mean, I think the whole top four there, honestly, is really close. That's like a Rushmore. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, And we'll run that down in one second. But I think you're right. I think... I just can't see not putting Hulk Hogan right at number one. I it's just, crazy. I think that'd be crazy. And again, I think it's crazy enough that John Cena is above Bruno Sammartino. But again, I don't think that's so wild to, to me. I think honestly. it's a little wild. But folks, let us know what you think. I think that's very impressive here. Let's run down the bottom <laughs> 10 right now before sure. we hit the music. Number 11, Brock Lesnar. 12. Wow. I can't yeah. believe he's not. That's he's crazy. Knocked he's knocked out. 12, Ric Flair. Wow. 13, Michaels. 14, Backlund, 15, Edge, 16, Mankind, 17, Randy Orton, 18, Eddie Guerrero. That's the bottom 10. Those yeah. guys will never return above the line <sighs> They're there. Out. They're out. They're baby. out. And your revised royal rankings this for week a, number nine. This is a huge, it huge really movement is. here. So. At number one, the Hulkster. Wow. I don't think anybody's taking the Hulkster down. I don't think so. Number two, John Cena. What a, wow. What a run he had at what the top. What a run at the top and still at number two. Yeah. After two more entrants in. Number three, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Crazy. Cra- Respectable, Austin, though. Austin, I mean, he deserved it. Number four, Bruno, which I'm still not settled about, but fine. I think that's perfectly acceptable. Okay. Number five, Randy Savage. Yes. Uh, Agree. Agree. 100% agree. Number six, Bret Hart. Yes. Agree. 100% agree. Okay. Number seven, The Rock. Yep. Number eight, eight, CM Dump. CM Dump still holding out. (laughs) Number nine, Triple H. I hope he gets knocked off, Sam. <laughs> and number 10, Billy Graham. Still hey, holding hang, on. Hanging in there at 10. That's Royal Rankings for week number nine. One more week to go. Be sure to let us know your rankings. You can do that by following us on Twitter and letting us know there. Email us or join the group. Let us know on the Facebook group of Quinn. When we come back, we are reviewing something. We'll be back right after this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, sir, Daddy. This is the Incredible Hulk Hogan. And if you're looking for the greatest in wrestling action, the superstars of wrestling, this is the WWF, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, the number one federation in all the world. If you want to see me hanging and banging every week, if you want to see Hulkamania running wild, well, tune in right here each and every week because what you're going to do when the hoster runs wild on you? Catch exciting wrestling action Saturday at 10 p.m. and Sunday at 10 a.m. on Super 66. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here on episode number 109. 109! Thank you, Quinn. Quinn, before we review something, we always like to mention there are other wrestling podcasts out there that aren't hosted by Conrad Thompson, believe it or not. Really? I, I saw some Twitter threads about this. Uh, somebody yes. was asking, are there podcasts that aren't hosted by Conrad Thompson and Stone Cold? <laughs> and there are, and here's three of them. They are friends of the show. We like to support them. Let's start with the wrestling podcast about nothing, WPAN. It comes out every single Monday, so you can listen to it right after us if you want to. And it's hosted by two guys that have worked in the wrestling business. One of them is currently a wrestler. 
wrestler, and he works in Ring of Honor and uh, the New England Matt Wars, of course. When he always deals in the New England Matt Wars, never the, uh, the never old the old England, England Matt Wars or the the New Jersey Matt Wars. No, no, or he would never lower the New Mexico himself. Matt Wars, the Nebraska. Yeah, his name is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. Yes, he's a king of pins, according to him. But according to me, he's the Wine City Whaler. Wine City Whaler. So check out that show. He hosts it with. Uh, I guess he's retired. I'm just going to call he's him that. A guy, a retired referee, claims to be still a ref, but not really. Yeah, on an extended hiatus or something. Yeah. But he, he's retired. Extended. extended. Hiatus, yeah. His name is Mean Mike Crockett. He's the biggest of daddies. He's the meanest of mics. That's right. And he's the retired of referees. The most retired guy. <laughs> he's and so retired. It's a great show, though. The wrestling podcast is about nothing. They bring their perspective as guys that have worked in the business to their show, and they'll talk about old wrestling in the context of new wrestling. They'll talk about new stuff sometimes. They're Reflections, memories, check them out. WPAN, the wrestling podcast about nothing. Also check out on Thursdays. No, it's not Frasier. No, no, no. No, it's not Cheers or Seinfeld. It is the critically acclaimed Greetings from Allentown, GF Allentown, starring one very lonely, quirky fellow, young Petey Winson. So what what critics this week were acclaiming? I think the Village Voice. Uh, People Magazine. Pitchfork. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) People Magazine. Us Magazine. (laughs) Us Weekly. Check out Petey Winston, though, because what he does, he does a retro wrestling show, but it's totally different than this, because he'll take an an episode of old wrestling, but while he's doing that, he tells you stories and anecdotes and asides, and they have nothing to do with what he's talking about half the time, which is great. Nothing to do with Ron Kittle. Sometimes Ron Kittle. Oh, really? Sometimes uh, his cat. surprising development there. So check out Greetings from Allentown, GF Allentown, on Thursdays. And also check out our Southern Fried Brethren. That's right. If you like your retro wrestling talk with a side of okra, which who doesn't? I don't even know what that is. Exactly. You can check out Booking the Territory with Mike Mills and his crew because they go through the NWA Crockett era in the 80s and they talk about Smoky Mountain. They do two shows. Smoky Mountain. Yep. And I'm I'm actually wearing my Booking the Territory shirt right now. I was actually going to point that out uh, on this very visual show. Yes. Um, (laughs) Joe is wearing the Booking the Territory t-shirt. I certainly am. you can get at t-shirts.bookingtheterritory. I don't know what the site is. Just look it up on the internet. Backslash okra. Yeah. And uh, so check out Mike Mills' Booking the Territory. That's our our three friends of the show the wrestling podcast about nothing greetings from allentown and booking the territory but quinn we are reviewing something now we are delving into the bizarre and i'm going to explain why this is wwf superstars from march 16th 1997 now by this point in america wwf superstars was just about only a recap show you mean it's junk it's worthless. Yes, it had, it's pointless. It was Sunday morning superstars, and it had moved to the USA Network uh, in the fall of 96. It, w- it wasn't your old school superstars. No, it was the new school. It was kind. new school. But over in jolly old England and, and the UK in general, right. su- superstars was kind of a recap show. But instead of it being strictly a recap show, they would have matches. Matches. And those matches were commentated by different people than you got in the U.S., I just want to note that every single match in this says last week on the bottom yes. left-hand corner. And they're so, all done from either raw or shotgun tapings. Now, my guess is that they're trying to deceive us to think because they, they're dubbing new commentary over old matches. Yes. Matches. To make this seem like a fresh show. show. Yes, I think so. You know, they were too lazy to remove the fucking graphics that yeah. said last week <laughs> on every single thing. Right. So this is from Sky Sports over in the UK. And Quinn, over what would in the US be the superstars mm-hmm. over that 
intro package, we get a very happy, like, dance rock intro. Yeah, it feels like they're saying, like, WWF, it's neat. Yeah, it's like, very happy. It's, like, it's too, it doesn't fit the opening at, at all. all. Like, Marlena with a cigar. And, uh, it's like, uh, this is weird. It's a little weird. And it's weird for 97, too, because especially early 97, everyone's, like, cursing and shit. Yeah. Like, people are just all crazy. In fact, this is one day before Bret Hart's famous Frustrated isn't a goddamn word for it! This is bullshit! Greatest ending to Raw of all time, in my yep, opinion. The greatest go-home show. The greatest is, go-home show. This is one day before that, so of course, you know, when you think March of 1997, all the craziness, you definitely think your commentators, Gorilla Monsoon and Ray Rougeau. Uh, Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to WWF Superstars. I'm Gorilla Monsoon, being joined this week by the incomparable Raymond Rougeau. First of all, Gorilla Monsoon post-1995 on commentary is always weird for me. Why? Because he just doesn't care? Because he doesn't care. And not only that, in the U.S., you never hear him after 95, really. Well, to me, it's even weirder because if he's supposed to be the president, why is the president, like, <laughs> Like, have to do this? Yeah, yeah, like, this seems beneath him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, if you think for one moment that you're going to be allowed to run rampant here in the World Wrestling Federation, well, you can just guess again. And Ray Rougeau? <laughs> yeah. Ray Rougeau, it's like, wait, he works here? Like... <laughs> So that's who we're joined with, and that's actually why I wanted to review this. This is my pick here. So Quinn, the headbangers make their way down the ramp and up the stairs in the center of the ring apron. Yeah, yeah which, what is this? So this is a very brief period. So the WWF had just debuted on March 10th Raw, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. maybe March 3rd. I can't remember. The No, March 10th, definitely, after the shitty one in like Europe or whatever it was. Yeah, that was horrible. The Raw's War set with the Titantron the and ramp. the ramp and all that. Yeah, this and the stage. Brand new. Yeah. But there were two things that they didn't immediately change. One is that the ring apron was still blue and the ropes were red, white, and blue. Right. And they put stairs, two sets of stairs next to each other in the center of the ring apron for the wrestlers to walk up. I actually have a little theory on this, actually. I'm wondering if they thought from like a viewer perspective. It would make more sense if they walked down the ramp, this big ramp that they're highlighting, right. and that they would go, just go straight, straight into the ring rather than walk around. And maybe they were trying to figure out, yep. like, which we were talking about, like, that's what you do. Is yep. That's like production methods, right? Yep. Like, they're yep. trying to figure out what's the best. What looks right to the viewer? Like, how should they walk into the ring? Yep, I think you're right. And so it was short lived, a couple of weeks, I think they did it, but we get to see it here. So the Headbangers opponents, Quinn, are Furnace and Philip LaFon. Yes, the LaFon brothers. Yes. Um, what was all the hype with them? I don't know. Like, Ray Rougeau is going on about how they've been a team for eight years they or something suck. like that. <laughs> they, they were never good. No one ever liked these two. Not WWF, anyway. I remember anyway. when they debuted, I was like, am I, like, Japan, like, maybe yeah, something? Like, I, why like, do we I'm, care, though? But did they ever talk, ever? Yeah, they were bad at it. When, like at that Survivor Series when they debuted or whenever it was? yeah, probably. Like, that was it? I never heard them ever talk after that. <laughs> they were just so they weird. Just... They were bland blue tights. Yeah, they were bland. Windbreakers, remember that? Now, the curly-haired one who had, like, a weird eyeball or yeah, something. Furnace Lafon. Furnace Lafon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Brother Furnace. Yeah, Furnace and Philip Lafon. Yeah, so Brother Furnace, um, he... Like, I always thought, like, 
they could make him into something if they like gave him like black pants or I don't know, like a pirate or a personality perhaps. Yeah, but they never something did. Like that, he just no. he just left. I almost felt like these two thought that they were like LOD or something like LOD. Of, the reason I'm saying that is because LOD was one of those teams that toured Japan a lot. Oh, okay. Like Got they you. were an American team that toured Japan right. a lot, so they thought that oh we're gonna be a big fucking deal right. here. Like <laughs> no one gave a shit. So Philip LaFoot and Mosh start yeah. here Winky, of course. Yeah, Winky. Right. <laughs> we got Winky. We got Winky. Sunset Foot by Lafitte for two, and Gorilla's like, he never hooked the shoulder. Let me get him now. He never hooked the shoulder. Very, like, old man logic in 1997. <laughs> I, I Gorilla is very, how do I put it, Gorilla this yeah. whole time. At least he kind of cares here. I was a little surprised. I, yeah, I was surprised, too. Like He's into it. It's, I think it has something to do with, because this was, like, his home base Superstar, I was asking yeah. you about this, actually. Is the reason for this is like because it, it transitioned from challenge or whatever? I think there's something yeah. with shotgun challenge became this or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Okay. I, I'm not quite Richard that Land would know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Furnace and Thrasher go out now. The announcers are talking about the Bulldog and Owen situation. And one of my pet peeves, Quinn, happens a lot throughout the show. Ray Rougeau also does <laughs> some play-by-play. Like they're both doing play-by-play, which I don't understand. All right, LeBron. Trying to get in, referee stopping him, and right now, double teamwork on Doug Furnace, going for the pin. No. Yeah. But you're saying it's just weird hearing Ray Rougeau say Furnace. Right. <laughs> Brother, so him talking about Brother Furnace is just bizarre. It doesn't seem like it should happen, right? Gorilla, here we have Philip and Furnace Lafon, and they have been a really good tag team for eight years. Then Gorilla starts making fat jokes about JR. Yeah, what was that about? Get like, some weight. He's like, he... He's packing on some pounds there. <laughs> what the hell? Like he's Pat Patterson or something. <laughs> Have you seen him? He's bulking up lately. I don't know what he's bulking up for. Get an unnecessary ceiling shot. Oh, we'll get a lot of those. Oh. Referee, of course, is Mike Kyoto. Yeah, only when he was referee at that point. <laughs> Here's a funny exchange. Gorilla busts out the, uh, you know, close only counts on horseshoes and hand grenades and raise like hand grenades. Close doesn't count here in the WWE. Well, only in horseshoes and hand grenades. Hand grenades. Why is he surprised? That like, gorilla said that. Yeah, he always says that. A lot of the a lot of the weird laughing and like questions that Ray has. I hate that he's acting like every single episode of something, like his brain gets reset and he forgets <laughs> every single thing gorilla said for forty years or whatever. <laughs> Get a double backdrop by the Furnace Brothers as Ray gets really excited about that. Oh, a double backdrop there, Gorilla. <laughs> oh, beautiful backdrop. Goes for the pin. One, two kicks out. <laughs> and then we get the ceiling cam again, and a guy just stands up in front of it, which is a great <laughs> that shot was pretty there. Funny. Yeah. Side slam by Thrasher on Furnace for two. Tag into Winky. Ceiling cam again for no reason. It's like the, getting like they're obsessed with it or something. Yeah, do they only have like three cameras in the arena here? I don't know what this is. I almost felt this whole match, the way it was filmed and yeah. how it ends up and everything, it almost felt like it was something where they were like testing things and they like <laughs> threw this match out and then like they were like yeah we'll just put it on sky or whatever who Maybe. gives a shit lafon with a butt drop for two by the way he has quite the gut that lafon yeah, i didn't ever notice it. it's a little he's a little mushy yeah you would think a guy that's supposed to be like you know a new up-and-comer yeah. that maybe he'd at least be a wouldn't little... look like Al Bundy? Yeah, a little... <laughs> wouldn't look like a fat dad or something. <laughs> so then Gorilla launches into this story about how 37 years ago, he was at Stu Hart's house <laughs> in negative 10-degree weather while little Bret Hart was in a diaper running away. You know, I can remember some 37 years ago, about 10 below zero, walking down the... Oh, look at that! Wow, what a nice leverage move. Walking down the driveway of the heart compound out there 
was here come little Bret Hart in a diaper, nothing else on, just a diaper. He was tough even then. Wow. And I, I bet you he was running because he didn't want to get tortured. <laughs> even as a, even as a ten, Dad, come here, bitch. yeah, even as a ten month year old, those <laughs> those like survival instincts kicked in. You know, he was probably only in a diaper because they couldn't afford clothes because stampede sucked. <laughs> That's all they had. They, <laughs> yeah. they didn't. They were like, we'll buy him a shirt in two months when he's year old. <laughs> Wasn't even his diaper yeah. either. It was like uh-huh. Dean's or something. Yeah. Anyway, power slam by the furnace man for two. Irish whip by furnace as we again clip to the ceiling camp for no reason. There's and a th- lot of furnace in this. There's a there? lot of furnace. There's a lot of ceiling. Awful dump out of the ring by Mosh to Furnace, and Gorilla's like, holy mackerel! Holy cow! Like <laughs> Ceiling cam again. Everyone brawls on the outside, and we have, yes, a double count out. Again, lending to my theory that something went wrong Yeah, here. it looked th- th- awful. This match was never meant to air. This is have. just like running short on time when they were putting this together. This is just, it might have been like the opener or something yeah. like that, that they were just setting up the equipment. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. So they brawl, and Billy Silverman comes in to break it up, and Gorilla's like, they're still going at it. Give me a break. <laughs> Very gorilla. They'll each go home with uh, 50% of the purse money. But gorilla, who gets the other 50%? Well, that remains to be seen. Look at these guys. They're still going at it. Give me a break. Ray throws us to Slam Jam with Duck. Where hell? In the chin room. <laughs> yes, he's in the chin room. Very much in the chin room. Now it's like different Doc, though. <laughs> yeah, Doc has like the slick ponytail. Yeah. He doesn't have the short chin hair that not, he has in the picture. Not as excited. <laughs> right. But, but he wants, I want to talk about the Big Daddy. <laughs> WrestleMania. First of all, it's not called the Big Daddy. Yeah, it's the, the granddaddy. Maybe they're, in, maybe they're in England, so Big Daddy. Oh, well, oh. that makes sense. Good logic there, Joseph. So we have Sid versus The Undertaker. We have Rocky versus The Sultan. Don't advertise that. <laughs> like, nobody cares about that. And then we have Owen and Bulldog versus Vader and Mankind. Yeah, no one cared about that either. That's true. And then we get The Furnaces, The Moshes, The Godwins, and The Blackjacks. Yes. So you're saying Brother Furnace, Winky. Yep. Southern Justice. Yeah, Southern Justice and um, Barry Darso or yeah, whoever. Barry Windham. Barry Windham. And then we get an interview from the new Blackjacks. Uh, why? No one cares about these people. Get of all people. <laughs> yeah. To I'd talk, rather right? hear from the Godwins. Than, yeah, so would I, like, actually. Even, like, honestly. Because the Blackjacks just say nothing, but they do it with cowboy accents. They're like, yeah, we're getting you little doggies out there. We're eating beef beat like my king. You know how many times the Blackjacks been sitting around at closing time when a ballyhoo breaks out? Who cares? I'm surprised how much I care about the Godwins this many years removed. Like, they did a good job building them. And they're not bad. Yeah, they really aren't. They get a lot of flack, I think, the Godwins, but they're really not that bad. They really aren't. I think people need to revisit the Godwins. That's right. Revisit them. They're They're pretty good. Anyway, Gorilla reminds us that soon, and this is a quote, we're going to hear from Ken Shamrock, the hot one. (laughs) The (laughs) hot one! (laughs) This really got us, because I was like, are you... What? The hot one? Still to come, folks. Ken Shamrock, the hot one. What is he, made of fire? I don't get it. So then we get that serious announcer voice for WrestleMania. You know, it's about... WrestleMania changes lives. It feeds the hungry. It recycles. It irons properly, etc. And all that shit. Yeah, like that. And it's almost like you want Blassie. To be there yeah. to talk about the showcase of the immortals. That's right. You watch it in the backseat of your car in Dubai. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> remember, they remember, when they, remember when they were watching like it in the back of a truck in India, like with like rabbit ears? It's on pay-per-view, by the way, just so you know, just in case you were wondering. You can't get it on rabbit ears. They should have to put that in the like in a little. Not available on rabbit ears. Not available over the air. Not available on UHF. Yeah. Anyway, clips of last week, even though they're acting like it's current, like Quinn and I were saying. Mm -hmm. I hate this. Just this acting. I know. Like a gorilla. Just 
Oh, I mean, here we are. We're back. Yeah, Last week. Yeah, it clearly <laughs> says that on the screen. It's Triple H with China entering to face Bob Holly, who yeah, is in blue attire. Not hardcore. No. Nope. We're talking about Sparky Thurman Plug yep, himself. Sparky Thurman Plug. Girl, it's funny. He's like, China, what kind of a name is China? Yeah, and then, <laughs> does he say something about Hong Kong? Well, Ray says, I don't know. They could have called her Hong Kong, I guess. <laughs> China. What kind of name is that? China. Oh, could have called her Hong Kong, I guess. Well, uh, I know it's a little it's a uh, bad joke. It's a little uh, a little over the edge there. Fly today. It would not fry today. Yeah, Billy Silverman. <laughs> what? Billy Silverman is the ref, of course, and we get a test of strength to start. And you were saying about Bob Holly that you can't believe he still had the race I, car gear. It bothers me. Like, how was he? I'm looking around this arena, right? And yeah. I'm like, look, it's Raw's War, and it's all modern. It looks like now, basically, because they yeah, haven't like really we changed saying. the design at all. Correct. And yet, he's in the race car. He's just so out of place. How was he employed for so long? Yes. So, there's this period where he didn't turn to hardcore, but the company had moved on to the attitude, and they just kind of kept him around. Yeah, like, he was irrelevant by 1995. Right. And they just kept him all the way through 98. He was in the new Midnight. He was a hardcore job squad the he last, was there until like oh nine literally from the time he won the tag titles at rumble 95 until like 98 he was garbage yeah and then he was o- almost always garbage except for like 99 right he was okay in 99 2000 i don't know how he was employed for song i don't like him i don't think he's very good he stinks call the superstar line zero eight nine one two nine nine eight 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 the maximum cost of the call is three pounds what's with that zero in front of it i don't know what's up with you england Back to the armbar. Gorilla explains the rules of the WrestleMania 13 Chicago street fight. There are none. Then he makes fun of China. He was real funny there. (laughs) Then he makes fun of China's chin. I made fun of China's chin, too. It was very... Jan Leno had something to say about that. Yeah. Ceiling cam again, and then Gorilla out of nowhere. Oh, an inverted atomic drop! (laughs) It's just like 1990 Gorilla showed up for this. speaking in sound bites. (laughs) He is, right? It's weird. Ceiling cam again. Vertical suit play by Triple H, and then the Harley race knee gets two. Fans are chanting boring, by the way, Quinn. Yeah, the greatest wrestler of all time. Remember him? Triple H? H? Oh, Triple H. He's he's just so good. Yeah, the fans are chanting boring. They were immediately big fans of Triple H. The whole wrestling world was really taken by storm. Oh, yeah. Well, he revolutionized the business, clearly, he, Quinn. He was the greatest champion ever. Yep. Um, he's the king of kings. He's Lord the lord and master of the universe. He's the alpha and the omega. Um, he invented the internet. He invented the world. Yeah, he, invented, he is. He invented Earth. Again, that's WWE canon. Yeah, not our canon. Not our canon. Not even these fans canon, because they're just bored out of their minds right, watching yeah. him fight Sparky Plug. Yeah. Anyway, body slam by Triple H. He goes all the way up top, which is not one of his fortes, according to Gorilla. He gets crotched by Holly. He'll be singing higher in the showers, Jess. <laughs> I hated that. Big face comeback by Sparky to silence. No one gives a fuck about this match. No one. It's so dead. It's terrible. I will say, though, a Frankensteiner by Bob Holly. I was I, impressed. I mean, he's still a good athlete. I he would is. never he's take that. Away wrestler. from Bob Holly, he is a pretty good wrestler. Yeah, he yeah. was also a race car driver, and they're clearly athletes. Yeah, well, remember when they would say that? Actually, yeah, people say that that was a big thing in the nineties to like defend race car drivers. Oh, it still is. Just it, ask Mike Mills. I say this: I could do it. Well, maybe not me. I don't like to drive fast. I've driven maybe in a you, car with you. Maybe you should do it. Not you, my Nissan. Would you? Would, if you were given a race car, you could probably handle that, right? I don't want to. No, I probably could. You're actually, good, you're a fast driver. Though. I'm a good driver, but it takes. Yeah, I'm an excellent driver. Yeah, for an Oak Street Gorilla Stop. says. Gorilla says Triple H has done poorly since undoing his hair, which I just found funny. Yeah. Oh, right. He's really done uh, poorly. That's very. <laughs> an, uh, that's a big gorilla observation yeah. that he would make. Bob Holly misses a top rope leg drop and a pedigree gets the win. Gorilla says, Quinn, that China looks like a bodyguard. Yeah, no shit, Gorilla. 
Like that's the point. And Vince couldn't even get that either. He yeah, didn't. I know. Why is she doing this? Because that's that's. Why the do heat. I want to hire her? That's why you hate Triple H. Just because he has As a woman, a woman yeah. dumbass. Ugh. Sometimes Vince really doesn't get why it. Why right? did so many of these old men not get this concept? Well, because they're old men. Ray calls uh, Triple H in China. Perhaps the couple of the '90s. And Gorilla gives us. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that comment, actually. Last week on Raw's War, JR talked to the hot one, Ken Shamrock. And yeah, the hot one. Ken says, uh, it's great to be in the WWF, and I'm so happy that Vince asked me to be a part of WrestleMania. Hi. You know. His shirt sucks, by the way. He's got this like big, like almost like puffy white shirt, but like the sleeves go to his elbows. It's like a three-quarter sleeve workout but shirt. But it's not a three-quarter sleeve, because a three-quarter sleeve would go up to like... Your wrist? I, your, like almost wrist to your area. wrist. Yeah, like... So you think it's just an oversized it's workout big. shirt? It's like for Andre the Giant or something. That, that, that's you. And as far as refereeing is concerned, Ken Shamrock won't be intimidated. He's going to be a fair referee, whether Bret Hart or Steve Austin like it. But I'm just wondering, like... A, why wouldn't they want a fair referee? Yeah, what are they? The point? And then you were saying, like, who cares anyway? Yeah, what do who you think? gives a shit what he thinks? He's the one getting inserted into their match. Yeah. Like, they had this existing feud. Like, <laughs> right, for months. This match was supposed to happen forever. Like, yeah, all shit, of a sudden, man. they just decided to throw fucking Ken Shamrock into this. <laughs> I don't blame them for being a little annoyed. It's like, why couldn't we have Mike Kyoto or whoever the fuck? Like, <laughs> or Earl Durrell. Yeah, anybody else. Like, just yeah. a ref. Like, why is he, like, acting like they give a shit what he thinks to begin with. They, they, he's acting like they should be honored <laughs> to have Ken Shamrock refereeing their match and he has no ref experience or anything. Yeah, it's true. And, and I quit match that doesn't have rules other than you quit. <laughs> Speaking of Why the, rules, the hell do they care? I don't know. JR uh, asked Shamrock about the reels of the match and then as he's doing that, Austin thankfully appears on the Titantron and tells Shamrock to shut his hole. Yeah, it's great. And that he'll come out and beat his ass and Gorilla like out of nowhere. He's yeah. been silent the whole interview. Gorilla's like, well, I'd buy a ticket for that. You ought to consider it an honor that I don't come out there and stomp your little guts in right now. I'd buy a ticket for that. Yeah, which is weird because that was inserted over this because this was yeah. on Raw, so Gorilla wasn't there. <laughs> Him and Ray are watching this right, doing yeah. commentary. So Austin hopes that Brett beats Sid next week on Raw for the title, so that way he can win it from Brett. He also says Shamrock has a stupid look on his face. <laughs> He's such a good promo. Yeah, we were saying earlier, he right? He really is. Austin says some instead of son, and then he gets like all upset. He's like, it's funny. Some, that he, son, bah! <laughs> he just rolls with it, yeah. though, like such a pro. Yep. And you can sit out there with that stupid look on your face, and even you know that that title should be on the waist of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And you don't know what I'm coming with, some and Scott. A lot of guys, they would fuck that up and they'd like, be lost for the rest of the promo. Like Sid? Yeah. Yeah, can we do it over? I'm sorry. Can we yeah. do it over? Austin's just like, ah. And then Shamrock's like, fighting is my game. Fighting is my life, but I don't have my tights here. Yeah, this is funny. Austin's like, hell, I'll fight you in my underwear, son. Austin doesn't give a shit about his tights. So uh, Shamrock invites Austin out, but Bret Hart's music hits. Now, I got to say, who's writing for the WWF by this time? Vince Russo. Oh, that's why it's actually good. Yeah. But I thought uh, Vince he's, Russo he's the sucked. Worst to ever exist, Joe. So he didn't do it. No, it I wasn't him. It was just only Vince, right? Yeah. Vince and Bruce Pritchard. That's right. it. They were the masters of wrestling. Yep. And the whole time, you know, it was just bad because yeah. they thought wrong or something. Yeah. But, you know, now they decided to think right. Makes sense. Nothing to do with Russo. Totally. And Brett's music hits also leaves the screen on the Titan Tron. He yeah, like gets the fuck good. out of I the like camera. The continuity. Yep. Bret Hart has like a grunge rock flannel on. I think my dad had that shirt. <laughs> Well, he liked uh, his his grunge, didn't he? Well, he liked his flannel. His hard rock. Yeah. <laughs> he liked his flannel. Yeah. Is your dad Al Borland by any chance? No. Okay, I don't think so. He's pretty handy, though. He can fix things. Oh, yeah? 
That's Al nice. was good at fixing. He was better than Tam at fixing. Definitely, things. definitely better. Anyway, Brett says, uh, "You know, it's nice of the World Wrestling Federation to finally give me a chance after three weeks to make some kind of a comment." I want to punch him in the face That's right the now. Idea. He's being such a good heel. That's the idea. I'm like mad just watching him make these comments. It's great because he hasn't quite turned heel, right, but he, yeah. they want you to like be like, "Shut up!" Yeah, it's just, shut the hell up, <laughs> right. big baby. It's like Austin ain't complaining that nope. they. Fuck him over. Nope. He just beats the shit out of people. So Brett bitterly talks about how he lost a title after one night in February. And then Brett's like the most Bret Hart thing. He's like, well, you know, I'm sorry that I'm crying. Well, you know, I'm sorry that I'm crying. And he talks about how he's been screaming at Gorilla Monsoon for so long. And Gorilla chimes in. <laughs> he certainly has. That's the one nice thing about having Gorilla, like, I don't know, revisionist, like, yeah. commentate this or whatever you'd call it, like, after the fact. Retroactively. Yeah. Yeah, so he can chime in. And yeah. he doesn't say anything against it. He's just no. like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then Brett says Psycho Sid is not as good as him, which, duh. I yeah, mean, no shit. Brett rolls off a list of everyone that screwed him. Shawn Michaels, Gorilla Monsoon. Sid, Steve Austin, Vince McMahon, but he says that he likes Ken Shamrock, though. Yeah. That he better not screw him. This is kind of nice, actually. I didn't mind this. <laughs> but Shamrock's kind of like, I'm not a marriage counselor. What is his problem? I'm not here to listen to your problems. I don't know. Yeah, but- I actually had a problem with Shamrock here, because all Brett was saying, right, was He's like, like I just, like you. I like you, just don't screw me over, like, because I've been screwed over by all these guys, right? Like, that's not like a crazy request, if no. you ask me. And that's not even real. That's a compliment, because right. Brett doesn't like anybody. Right. Yeah. Except his brother own. Yeah. Austin appears at the top of the ramp and yell points at Brett with no yeah, mic that was as, funny. as we go to commercial. We come back to Flash Funk entering for like a million years. His entrance is so long. Like over, <laughs> over the whole entrance, Gorilla and Ray are just talking about how Brett's a bitch like yeah, the whole time, they, basically. They don't, they're not talking about the entrance. Very dubious comment by Ray as he says, this is going to be the greatest WrestleMania sure. of all time. Yeah, okay. He didn't know yet. That was the folly he was making. <laughs> Flash Funk's opponent is uh, Jobber Burt Centeno. Um, and Flash does a funky move, according to Gorilla. Decent offense by Centeno, including a headstand kick, what? a flying crossbody for two. No one in the crowd cared at all, by I know, the way, the about jo- any of this. The Jobber's getting like good off- offense, yeah, don't it's care. Weird because he's like winning. They're like, they, meanwhile, they're confused. Yeah, they're like, why is this guy winning? Yeah. Ceiling cam again, body slammed by Flash Funk into a pointless, like, twisting leg drop. Can it we makes no stop sense. with this ceiling cam? It's yeah, really I bothering don't get me. It. 450 gets the win, and Gorilla's like, I only do that when there's about eight feet of water under me. <laughs> <laughs> and then my favorite little exchange by these two, yeah. where Ray's like, let's go to Doc. And Gorilla's like, again? <laughs> Even Gorilla's like, oh, come on, man. Let's go to Doc right now, Gorilla. Again? With the slam jam. Behind Doc is an awful Bret Hart shirt, but Quinn, you had a very good question about... I have a very good question to yeah. ask. What is that? Can I buy the Doc picture? The that, chin picture? We were talking about how we should decorate this attic here, and I Brett really loved. think... What do you mean? Attic? Anyway, <laughs> I think we should get the Doc... That would be the most apropos thing for us to get. No? If we could get a print of that Doc chin picture, that <laughs> oh, would be freaking awesome. That next to the Ica Pro banner and oh, all the other things. Great. like, yeah, it would be amazing. So basically, we cut to a very succinct promo of Austin in front of a black background, and basically he says he's going to beat Brett. Very matter of fact, you stink, I don't quit, fuck you. Like, that's like, he just like, boom, bing, bang, boom. Like, that's, that's basically much, the promo. That's his promo. Yeah. It's awesome. Also, we're going to get Ahmed versus Farouk in a street fight, allegedly, because this is before it became a six-man. Yeah, man. like, I was, I, that actually confused me, because we're, like, fairly close to I know. the show, right? Yeah. We're also going to get Triple H versus Goldust, and Doc says wonders if we're going to see that large woman 
How do they not know yet? Like they just called her China. Right. I'm confused by this. When was this recorded? I don't know. Like, Gorilla and Ray literally just called her China. Anyway, let's go to uh, Raw again from last week as Ahmed Johnson enters to face Roy Raymond. Why does he have World War One pants on? <laughs> the jobber? Like, yeah, that like puffy on the like <laughs> hips or something. Like, oh. I don't know what that is. Ahmed poses for like three minutes and gets attacked by Roy Raymond. Vor- vertical suit play by Raymond. And then the nation immediately comes out. They didn't waste any time coming out. The nation? Yeah. Yeah, they came right the hell out. Yeah, like, they, this match they, is they like four seconds long. They didn't even let this match long. happen. Yeah. No. The NOD just stands around there on the ramp while Ahmed beats the shit out of Ray Romano or whatever his name is. <laughs> Hey, come on here. <laughs> Spinebuster, Pearl River Plunge for the win. Well, that was quite brisk. It's like Ahmed went faster because the nation was standing there, too. Yeah, right? it's true. Yeah. Like, if I had someone watching me, I'd probably hurry the hell yeah, up, too. Yeah, it's like, well, Roy Raymond stinks. I'll just Pearl <laughs> yeah. River Plunge his ass and yeah. get the fuck out of <laughs> here. So, with yeah. Farouk gets on the mic and basically calls Ahmed stupid. And Ahmed's like, yeah, well, I'm a fan. I'm too bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a rush, Quinn. The LOD yeah, enters LOD through the crowd. sucks. <laughs> I hate them. You know I hate them. Everyone on this show knows I hate them. And then Hulk gets on the mic and is like, hell, hell, the gang's all here. And this is where, Quinn, you predicted yes. a hokey, childish, maybe graphic, you know, a grotesque Yeah, like I was expecting, like, it's going to be a pile of stinky, disgusting eyeballs that are gross and pussing. You're going to have pus, you know, like. Yeah. So this is what we get from Hawk tonight. Yeah. Tonight's pick. The pus du jour is sweaty, fly-covered pile of raw sweat socks it's 1997 that's not good anymore what is he like dumb like uh, does he watch television like i don't understand and then animal does of course when your favorite his yelling shtick right after no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. like every time like every time that's every lod promo is ah pus and mutilation and, also, and grime and paper end, cuts at the end some like terrible like we're gonna kick your butt yeah which actually he, that happens here yeah, yeah, he yeah. Does, that's exactly what he said animal gives us the WrestleMania, we're gonna <laughs> kick your stinking butts yeah not ass i'm in charging that is gonna do the road warriors i'm gonna kick your butt and then Ahmed plays Doc Hendricks and does some promo. He says to the crowd, he's like, you people out there, you're going to WrestleMania, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> he, like, asks them. It's like, hey, you all got 60 bucks? Yeah, to drop on this yeah. pile of crap. Yeah. Pile of sweat socks. Sweat, stinky sweat socks, obviously. <laughs> we get this shitty, like, failed to catch on Ahmed catchphrase, which yeah. is, you're going down. I think it would have. You're down. I think it would have caught on if people could understand what he was saying. That's true. Yeah. Gorilla's like, oh, you're going down and we're getting out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and there you have it. Well, Farouk's going down and we're getting out of here. We're gone. Thanks, Ray. So long, everybody. That's, That's it. it. Titan Sports, 1997. Goodbye. I don't have too many thoughts on this other than A, Gorilla and Ray, Quinn, were really not that bad together. No, they really weren't. It was fun. I expected it to be horrible and Gorilla to be in like mumble mode, like yeah. Uh, but he was actually being loud and like being the boisterous gorilla that we like, you know, the high pitched. It really wasn't bad. I thought this was a good, decent show. It really so, wasn't yeah. that bad. It was fun for like. It's always fun to hear gorilla. It's always fun to hear gorilla, especially ninety seven, yeah, yeah, especially like after he doesn't care anymore. Right, and Austin yeah. was the best part of the show as always. Without question. Yeah. So overall. That was an interesting one to close out, you know, before we do the finale. Right. To yeah. close it out on a WWF note, an easy, lighthearted WWF note. But folks, we, of course, will be back next week. It is the season finale coming up. That's right. We will finally have the full top 10 in the Royal Rankings. 
We'll be reviewing something. We'll see what we oh, turn yeah, we out doing be. there. And something will be on both of our minds that we'll talk to you about. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. If you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. If you have that, that'd be appreciated. And you can follow us on Twitter at OVP podcast. And if you have a Facebook, join the group if you haven't yet. But until next week to close out the season, I am Joe Morata. That is the hot one, Michael Quinn. <laughs> and we are out of here. See ya. Look at Savio Vega mumbling. <laughs> Hell! Hell! The game is all here and ready. The game is here. Let me tell you something. Nation of domination. When we get done with you, you'll look like a sweaty, fly-covered pile of raw sweat socks. Oh, oh that's not a pretty sight, I guarantee. Or smell. Or smell.